0: Hello, 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 ladies and gentlemen. Good afternoon, good evening. I hope everyone is doing well tonight. And uh, you guys are ready for another edition of The Sea Report. We are coming to you live on this, oh, it says Monday. You know, I'll tell you what, Monday was a little bit of an off day for us. Now, we had fun yesterday here at The Sea Report. It was uh, actually still part of my weekend. All right, let's get that fixed up real quick. And all right, there we go, ladies and gentlemen. So, wow, it's taking a minute. There we, that's much. Today is Tuesday, May the 17th, 2022. And I am your host, Mr. C, otherwise known as Michael Aaron Casares. You can call me as you will. But uh, hey, uh, it ain't Mr. C TV for nothing, ladies and gentlemen. Anyhow, I hope everyone is doing well on this Tuesday afternoon as we get ready to head into another full show of news, current events, insights, headlines, etc. As we tend to do here at The C Report, we don't make the news, we don't break the news, we just report the news. We don't. Uh, we don't investigate the news. We don't. Uh, we don't uh, harangue the news. We just share the news, ladies and gentlemen, and that's what we do here. And we have quite a show for you guys today. Of course, as you all know, there is a whole lot of stuff going on right now. I don't know if it's in part because of the. Uh, the full moon, uh, blood lunar eclipse madness, or if it's just because um, the summer of, well, what they quite often refer to as rage is beginning to heat up. I personally wouldn't want to put any credence to that, you know, not, not put any power into uh, the rageful, um, eventful, uh, often fiery and sometimes hateful well let's let's just be honest with you guys i mean as much as i don't like to use that word um quite often uh the actions of those who engage in the uh destruction of property and in the um harassing of uh citizens and leaders and politicians it's it's usually quite inspired by that word, which is hate. So it is hate filled, I guess you could say. But uh, well, we do our best to combat that hate, ladies and gentlemen, as we can. And of course, as everyone recognizes, one cannot combat hate with hate, right? Uh, Does that mean that we should just uh, lay down our bodies and allow them to do whatever they want with us? Of course not. Of course not. You know, it took me a long time growing up to learn the difference between uh, violence and self-defense. And that, in part, is because I was not taught much about self-defense. But you know what? We grow up and we live and we learn and we figure things out for ourselves. And that is the beauty of the human spirit, mind, and body. Anyways, that has hardly anything to do with anything per se. But yeah, like I was saying, a lot of stuff going on yesterday, uh, this weekend, actually really... This weekend, I was still, you know, reliving the glory days of the American Freedom Tour, which uh, came through Texas uh, just uh, this past weekend on Saturday. Uh, So, if uh, none of you guys got to catch that, or if any of you guys did not get to catch that recap that uh, myself and uh, my dear friend Mr. Java. Did on yesterday's report. Well, then, you know, I would say, hey, go back and check out that recap. Um, A replay over at our Rumble, over at our Foxhole account. You can still catch on Clout Hub as well. And then uh, Twitch, you can catch that for maybe about eh, 13 more days or so. 13 more days or so. Uh, Also played some clips. I was able to um, um, video record, uh, digitally record, however you want to put it of some of the speakers i have those posted now over at my rumble account so uh if you would like to check out um uh, pretty much the full speech from pastor mark burns uh about uh, half the speech from president trump and a good third of the speech from uh, kimberly guilfoyle those are live now for your enjoyment and i may consider uh posting a few of the other shorter clips i had of the presenters ladies and gentlemen uh, maybe i'll even um uh post the uh Recording I have of Ted Nugent shredding the um, um, National Anthem, right? Why not, right? It was worth it. It was worth it. Anyhow, ladies and gentlemen, uh, um, we've got uh, quite a few stories to cover for you guys today. Uh, We'll be talking about some of the uh, fallout and pushback from the 2000 Mules uh, documentary, of course. Uh, by way of True the Vote and Dinesh D'Souza that hit the world, right, Uh, a couple of weeks ago now, a week ago, a week and a half, two weeks ago or so. A lot of things occurring because of the 2000 Mules phenomenon, ladies and gentlemen, as much as uh, many would like to ignore it and uh, and attempt to debunk it, uh, I'm actually quite quite, um, happy uh, that uh, Catherine Engelbrecht and uh, Dinesh D'Souza are actively debunking the debunkers, right? And in doing so, they are giving us, we the people, uh, the ammunition and the knowledge that we need in order to uh, respectfully and, um, eh, you know, uh, in a very nice and cordial manner, um, refute the debunkers, ladies and gentlemen. It's always fun to do that, you know. It's always fun to um, engage a troll or a... A, a, a debunker, ladies and gentlemen. It's always fun to do that when you do it in a very civil manner. And the reason why that's fun, ladies and gentlemen, is because obviously, as we've all learned uh, over the past four or five years, they just thrive on negativity. Oh, do they thrive in negativity? You know? Uh, but, you know. It, Take, for example, uh, Truth Social, ladies and gentlemen. Take, for example, the foxhole, right? Well, we don't really have many trolls over at the foxhole, but, you know, over at Truth Social, they are creeping in there little by little. Now, they are very much so walking on eggshells over there at Truth Social, the um, the trolls and the debunkers are. Uh, they actually will engage you in a... Uh, a res- respectful manner. I guess we could say respectful, right? They will, uh, they will make their point, right? Um, but they, they haven't quite gotten to the, uh, name calling and the, uh, F-bomb dropping and all that, you know, uh, negative, um, parlance that, uh, we really don't need in our lives, right? Ladies and gentlemen, right now they're playing the coy kind of, um, Oh, they're, they're very hesitant to get, you know, to get, have their guns ripped out and auroran, ladies and gentlemen, passive aggressive is another way of putting it. I don't know if you guys have learned how to read a passive aggressive poltros, troll post, excuse me, Uh, but you can kind of tell guys, you can kind of tell because you can, you just, the, the post will read like they are holding something back. You know what I mean? Like, they're, they're not saying something they really want to say. You could almost read their souls in the post, ladies and gentlemen. But, you know, over at Truth Social, we uh, there are a few of them already I've I've come across, you know. And, uh, yeah, engage them in a sil- civil discourse. And, uh, you know, th- they'll soon be gone, as usually is the case. But uh, I don't know why they're walking on eggshells, you know. I guess they just don't want to prove that they're just, you know unagreeable people with uh, disparaging points of view. But I mean, hey, they have the right to express themselves as freely as they like. They have the right to have their own point of view. Uh, but nonetheless, ladies and gentlemen, uh, those types of conversations are also short-lived as well. I guess it's better to get into a fighting match. But uh, you can follow um, Mr. CTV, The C Report, myself, Mr. C, over at Truth Social, at MRC TV that's right truth social at MRC TV so uh go ahead and if you've got the application give us a follow uh we're doing it's it's been pretty fun over there guys i am quite proud of myself for engaging as much as i am i've never done such a thing in all of my life but i got to say the return on engagement for myself, at least, is quite satisfactory. Uh, it's it's like nothing I've ever experienced before, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, so uh, head on over to Truth Social. Got a lot of fun posts over there, and of course, drop in some of those news bombs, news items, stuff which, with I don't come up with. I don't I don't write it. I don't investigate it. I just share it, ladies and gentlemen. And that is my function in this world at this time and on this day. So I hope you guys are doing well out there. Looks like we already got a bunch of friends hanging out with us. If you're joining us over at Twitch, Clout Hub, or Rumble, welcome, welcome, welcome. Glad to have you with us. Please make sure you follow and or subscribe to the show so you can keep up with uh, the latest episodes and other, you know, shenanigans and sharings that we might uh, drop on the account. Or I should say I might drop on the account right uh, per the rest of the friends, Aurelius Locke is in the house, P Thaggy in the house, uh, Justice Song, good evening, good to see you again, glad you guys are joining us, Disco Ball Chaser, good afternoon, thank you for dropping the links in the chat, and Tam Growl, ta-da, show me the votee, she says, uh, what are, oh, I was like, what are we voting on, you know what, do you know what, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I, I actually, <laughs> I actually made a conscious decision not to talk about the Senate hearing on UFOs today, or or what are they called, UAPs, right? That's what we call them in the uh, brand spanking new millennia two, de- two decades in. Uh, un- unidentified aerial phenomenon, right? So uh, I made a conscious decision not to talk about that. Uh, I didn't watch the hearing. I don't know if anyone was live streaming or broadcasting the hearing. I don't know what new and relevant information might have been brought to the forefront for us to consider and mull over. But, you know, you know, I may as well be damned, ladies and gentlemen, because the other thing, of course, going on today, as uh, Tam Growl says, show me the votey, uh, would be the, uh, the primaries that are happening. Sorry. Yeah, the primaries are happening across the states. We had Idaho today. We had Kentucky. We have the Seminole Pennsylvania race. Tell you what, guys. We will cover those numbers at the end of the show, so uh, remind me there. Now, down, down, why don't you, ladies and gentlemen, in case I forget? Because I had not pulled those numbers up yet. Now it's what 530, 5.40 here in Central Texas. So that means the polls are already closed, uh, at least in some of the states. And uh, well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we'll 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 bring that to you. I'm I'm quite interested myself to know. Uh, particularly, particularly in the case of Pennsylvania, and then again also uh, Idaho. I, I actually am quite interested on what happened in the Idaho race today. Uh, so we'll see how that goes, guys. We will see how that goes. Remind me why? Why don't you, ladies and gentlemen out there, if you uh, if you are a member of the interactive audience, please do. Please do. All right. Uh, Let's see here. Yeah, Tam Grau got quite seasick uh, from watching my uh, coverage of the American Freedom Tour. I apologize. I should have stabilized the film. Didn't. Uh, (laughs) And uh, let's see. Those afraid of the truth have lies to hide. And uh, that is a sentiment I quite often share myself, Miss Tam Grau. That is a sentiment I quite often share myself. And you know, it... If it weren't for my bad memory, I might participate in the lie more often than not. But you know what? My memory's so bad, there's no point because uh, I'll eventually tell the truth in the next turn. Now, omission is different, ladies and gentlemen. And yes, some people might say, "Uh uh-huh, Mr. C is admitting he's a liar. Well, you know, at least I'm not going to be like Obama and tell someone that I never lie, right? Because I'd be like, "Well, you just lied right now, okay?" So yeah, omission, trickery, deception. I guess that doesn't count as a lie, right? Well, indeed it does, ladies and gentlemen. If it's uh, if it is opposing the truth of reality, whether in words or not. Yep, that's right. Actions can show lies as well. It is still a lie, ladies and gentlemen. Anyhow, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. So. Yeah, a simple lie—not so easy for someone like myself. Sean Joe, what's going on, sir? Good evening. Thank you for gifting the cookie. Thank you so much. Aurelius Lux says there was a UFO hearing today. What did the aliens say? I bet they denied everything. You know it. I bet you. You know uh, the CIA probably learned all their tricks from the good old unidentified flying objects known as aliens. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, as far as I know, they had like, uh, they had the high commander of the Intergalactic Federation come down and meet all of the senators. And, you know, um, he shook hands with uh, uh, Joe Biden once Biden could figure out where he was. And then Joe Biden gave him the customary sniff. Uh, From what I understand, it was quite a tremendous event, but I just decided not to cover it, guys. So... (laughs) I am being beyond facetious right now guys. I am being beyond facetious. Tamgrel says it was a stupid hearing, nothing new. It's a ploy to initiate an alien attack so they can fire on their own citizens in my honest opinion. Well, you know what? I believe that your opinion is honest, Tamgrel. And yeah. Yeah, I mean it, it, it's all going to end up being a setup for something, right? If we don't have uh if we don't have a supposed war, happening over there in Ukraine. And and by supposed I mean it's a military operation, a special military operation. I don't know if I would necessarily call it a war, although people do want to call it that. Could it escalate to a war? Most definitely it could. Uh, But in the meantime, the uh, legacy media is uh, doing their end of the job by lying to the uh, Western world about everything that's going on in Russia. I mean, uh, last I heard, Putin was on his deathbed. He was in a coma, for crying out loud. And uh, all of his friends and family turned their backs on him and said, Putin, you suck for killing Nazis in Ukraine. And you suck for foiling the plans of the globalist world elite, Putin. And then um, his wife spat upon him and threw her wedding ring at him. You know, it's terrible. It's terrible. But that's what they're reporting in the legacy media. You know that good old fake news. Okay, guys, you know I'm also... Dreaming that up right now, right? I just want to make sure, right, before everyone says, Mr. C's a liar, he makes up stories, and he gaslights everyone about poop ten. Anyhow, so, well, there's that, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, DPatriot1776, thanks for gifting the cookie. Lurk away and enjoy. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, right, right, Aurelius says, bring it, uh, I... I is tired of waiting. Pew, pew, pew. You know, right? You know, I mean, we as patriots and thank you. uh, Thank you, um, um, Aurelius for that perfect segue. Uh, We as patriots or those who who proclaim themselves to be patriots, we as uh, God-fearing, America-loving, constitutional-honoring republic restorationists um, have done an immensely wonderful job okay an immensely wonderful job of which i am quite proud of not pulling that trigger now in the case of aliens invading i'd say have at it you guys are trigger happy and your fin- your trigger finger has been itching since i don't know 1975 so go you know have your fun defending this planet right and then, of course, you know, Joe Biden will be like, this is the time for us to unite as a one new world order under uh, the threat of the aliens. Right. It'll be an entire Independence Day, uh, you know, um, a shtick that they're going to try and pull. Anyways, guys, anyways, you know, so if the aliens are here, go knock yourselves out. You know, I mean, I would I would maybe want to in- make sure that they're peaceful first, but knock yourselves out. Knock yourself silly, ladies and gentlemen uh because uh lord knows um the powers that be and of course those powers are often relegated to the regime in charge which is quite often the puppet of some um globalist uh type of agenda um uh name it or not you know we we don't know who's in the shadows right but we know that those shadows do exist as sure as the daylight casts them um they're they're totally beholden so you know when it comes to that guys you all recognize this uh this is this is not a brand new topic of discussion it is not a brand new idea that was forged from the creative fires of these globalist uh um 'er ne'er-do-wells not at all ladies and gentlemen uh, how long do you think that the globalist interests by way of their deep state, um, their deep state uh, bosses, right? Uh, They whom they deem the boss. How long do you think they have been trying to get uh, constitution honoring uh, republic restorationists to pull that trigger, ladies and gentlemen? How long do you think they have been trying through all of their operations, you know, psychological or not, um, false flag kinetic or not, taxation without representation to the point of inflation and debt slavery, how uh, often do you think they have tried to get us to pull that trigger? They've, They've been trying for quite some time. And, you know, I would say long about the time of the tea party. Do you guys remember the tea party, right? Are you old enough to remember? I am. I was there, ladies and gentlemen. Long about the time of the tea party, you know, it became that much more easier for them to uh, try and instill those operations. Now, make no mistake, when you're talking about patriotic groups and uh, groups of patriots or um, um, militias, etc. Oh, they, they've tried they have not tried. they have infiltrated said groups. They have infiltrated said militias for a very long time. you know we talked about that uh, that operation that had been declassified by the FBI wherein, you know, they sent their agents in to infiltrate. And uh, if not to instigate, at least to um, uh, figure out what the heck was going on. And we've all heard the stories of, you know, the infiltrated groups being instigated to violence, etc. And you know that has been one of their main ploys. But, you know, at the advent of the Tea Party, okay, which, by the way, I'm sure most of you guys figured out was hijacked, right? It was hijacked. Uh, but it was it was easier for them to attempt those operations. And by them, of course, I mean three-letter agencies and uh, deep state-funded agendas, all backed by the globalists in case I have to be specific, you know? And we have to be specific sometimes because there are those people out there who if you do not read in the manual... Three-letter agencies actively infiltrated militias and patriot groups to either inspire, invoke, or figure out if they were going to do—I don't know—a mass shooting or, or rage against the government. They will think it does not exist, uh, all for the all for the sake, I would suppose, of saving their credibility oh. and um, and integrity, which is important. You know that is important. Uh, credibility, I mean, credibility is is a big factor here, guys, but. Credibility is also kind of tied in one's perception, and and I mean respective individual perception, not a general sense of perception. So uh, credibility can only stand so far as the person you're telling it to believes that credibility. But integrity, well, integrity is as viewed by actions more so than words. So I get that difference right there, ladies and gentlemen. But getting back to the tea parties and the infiltration, and the operations to get patriotic Americans to get so fed up and pissed off that they're going to go storm the Capitol, uh, not not like the uh, January sixth false flag riots that we all bear witness to and still feel the brunt of that operation, uh, but but more akin to a civil civil revolution, right? Beyond the kinetic, uh, beyond the civilized uh, manner of handling and dealing with things but to violence, ladies and gentlemen, to ultra-violence if necessary, you know? Now, the reason why I say with the advent of the Tea Party that became easier is because um, the Tea Party was a clear signal ladies and gentlemen to the establishment to the deep staters to the globalists that there was growing opposition to their cause and their agenda and not only had the opposition grown it was uh it was organized and it was easy to see right it 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 came into the sunlight you know those quiet minorities of patriots uh that that uh that small group of people who love this country had grown And in part because they were pretty pissed off, right? They were pretty pissed off. So it's not as if though they appeared out of nowhere, it was just bubbling forth. And now they had a party to represent them. Right. You know, and so uh, it was easier to uh, it was easier for them to see it. And so at that point, it became easier for them to infiltrate and to demonize a particular ideology, a particular party, politically speaking, as opposed to just general patriots, militiamen in their own separate little groups. You know, they could they could actually put a name and label that which they sought to demonize and that which they sought uh, to, uh, to um, uh, perform these operations against with the advent of the Tea Party. Now, I say it was hijacked, right? Uh, and indeed it was. You know, we had, um, and again, uh, we'll, we'll, I will defer this to my presentation on the man, but as an example, you know, we had individuals like uh, General Valeli or General Valeli, however you want to pronounce his name. Um, who even said himself that he was going to lead the Tea Party to a violent revolution against this government, guns a blazing, right? And yet, I know half the audience who does not know my line of thought has just scoffed, <gasps> Mr. C, how could you say such things about General Valley?" Well, you know what? I'm not the one who said it. General Vallely is the one who said that he was going to lead the Tea Party into a violent revolution against the country, against the government, uh, and 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 perform a coup against that which has taken over our, um, our country. He said that, not me, okay? So um, I don't mince words here much often, although my tongue does quite often get t- twisted, ladies and gentlemen, but... Um, for all intents and purposes, um, I still don't understand how people don't see him as an operative, right? I mean, come on, really. Look at his history. Anyways, we're not going to get to General Valiley, but he did say that, and we'll uh, we'll explore that further on a future episode of See in the Dark, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but anyhow, anyhow, so easier to infiltrate, right? And and that was its uh, that was its undoing, I suppose uh they are getting painted a certain way you know but anyhow these operations have continued unto this day you know and uh particularly when you start getting into the realm of what has become the primary source for a lot of independent thinkers and patriots and you know awake americans out there and that is you turn off the idiot box you no longer watch what they are spoon feeding us, force feeding us on the legacy media um, broadcasts, and you search for your answers or your information somewhere else. And quite often, more often than not, that's going to be that's going to be coming to them to you by way of a broadcast such as this, such as the C Report with your host, Mr. C, Monday through Friday on Mr. C TV or whomever it is that you decide to watch and or read. Ladies and gentlemen. And to that effect, you know, as as the live stream broadcast as the citizen led type of news show and you know, commentary, opinion, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, uh, began to become the primary outlets for independent thinkers and awake Americans. Well, you think that the deep state, the globalists, military operations, and three-letter organizations did not figure out that they should perhaps infiltrate a show just like the one you're watching right now? Absolutely, they did. Absolutely, they did, you know? So I took it upon myself anytime I had a guest and or a, a, an audience member that decided to go off the cuff and say, I'm sick and tired of this and I, wait, wait, I'm wait, i mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. I'm going to uh, organize my friends and my buddies and we're just going to shoot the bastards. And I would say, "Whoa, whoa, 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 pump your brakes, please. This is not about violent measures, okay? May the tree of liberty be watered with the blood of our enemies, right? Because I I know the phrase. Otherwise, I wouldn't have partially quoted there, guys. I know that the tree of liberty is watered by the blood of patriots and of uh, tyrants. But, you know, let's leave the patriots out of this. We've done a pretty good job is what I'm saying. I'm so proud Of all of you out there for not succumbing to the itch of your trigger finger, for not succumbing to that violence, for not succumbing uh, to to really uh, taking matters into your own hand. Because really, what would it do? It would set us back. It would set us back decades, ladies and gentlemen. It would give them more of a reason to take away our weapons, to take away our arms, to remove us of our guns, to further demonize the um, uh, Patriot movement, the uh, MAGA, the Make America Great Again movement, the Q movement, the Tea Party movement, whatever, whatever nook that you would like to settle that group within your mind in, okay, which has already been an uphill battle from the start. Granted, Uh, There are many half-awake Americans, semi-awake Americans, and people who are just rather neutral or middle-of-the-road that are waking up to everything that is going on. They're feeling it in their pocketbook. They're feeling it in their anxiety, you know? And, And I think it's safe to say that at this point, perhaps, you perhaps... The, the deep staters, and you know, when I say deep staters, I'm referring to the globalist elements within the United States of America. When I'm referring to the globalists, I'm referring to the ones on an international level. So the deep staters, of course, they're at, uh, they're at such ends right now. And they're at such odds with the way things are going, and not according to plan, I would assess based on uh, what I've experienced, learned, researched, and we all have throughout the past previous decades, right, Uh, of kind of understanding what their agenda could be, uh, kind of hypothesizing on it, and then as time has passed... Seeing that those hypotheses are being actualized through their actions, through regulations, through uh, unconstitutional laws, through false flags, through lies, uh, through the deception of the mainstream media and the politicians that follow suit right behind them. We've been able to see that agenda at least so a bit more than just, uh, you know, a bit more than just that, that cloud of haze uh, that comes with, uh, with uh, uncertainty, okay, Uh, But as I'm saying, guys, uh, I I think it's safe to say at this point that their rope is so short that they're just going to start doing things to piss us off. Right. They're just going to start doing things to make us mad and irate and want to seek out vengeance. Uh, You know, I mean, the the hot topic right now, of course, would be uh, the baby formula. Right. When they're discovering uh, warehouses full down on the southern border. Just to ensure that uh you know their um their their stock their warehouse uh warehouse inventory, otherwise known as the children are well fed and well kept so that this way they can get back full return on their harvest if you know what I mean some of you guys know what I mean when I say that um but uh i I don't know when it when it comes down to this um A baby formula shortage, they might be biting off more than they can chew because uh, they ain't going to be pissing off the patriots as much as they are going to be pissing off all of the uh, government mothers out there and government uh, families that depend on their government to give them their baby formula, right? And those are the ones that don't think twice about uh, bearing arms, ladies and gentlemen, when they get desperate, Right. I am proud of this community, ladies and gentlemen, for not acting out in such a way. I can't express to you guys how much I mean that. So proud. So proud. And, you know, when it comes down to the mass shootings, we know that it's a split agenda. Aside from trying to uh, to uh, remove our Second Amendment rights, you know, they're, they're trying to demonize the patriots so that we are easier to pigeonhole, so that we are easier to blame and we are easier to exclude from what would be accepted as uh, normal behavior in society against a specific group. And to that end, we know that uh, whether we can verify it or not, ladies and gentlemen, again, this is in the details of speculation that some of these uh, some of these mass shootings are in fact what you would call a false flag operation. You know, and a lot of us are aware of that, and, and maybe none of us can pin it down. Maybe none of us can verify beyond a shadow of a doubt that the person who was involved in the shooting was, uh, I don't know, uh, a, a member of the uh, a three-letter agency. Although, more often than not, some of them have been uh, children or family members of such agencies, uh, we could only we could only draw conclusions by following the strings of clues about what was really going on in the mind of that individual that decided to do such things right and you know it has been since president trump was um, you know, um, was in office since he became the president of these United States of America, ladies and gentlemen, that I have often said that we are in false flag season. I've said that numerous times, numerous times. And of course, that was to the warning that, uh, how do you guys say, keep your head on a swivel, right? Right. Keep your head on a swivel and keep your cameras handy, ladies and gentlemen, because it's false flag season, right? Well, you know what? Uh, False flag season never came to an end, right? And in that regard, I I remember feeling, well, you know what? Maybe it is a good thing that we have these lockdowns right now, uh, because if we didn't, how many mass shootings would we have at schools? How many mass shootings would we have at concerts and in the public in general, right? And indeed, as soon as all of those COVID mandates were lifted, what on earth did we find? Oh, I guess uh mass shootings are back in season, right? Mass shootings are back in season. Now, um uh, unless you're uh unless you're a place like, I don't know, uh, Lori Lightfoot's Chicago, right? Where she's trying to uh incite the gays to violence. Um it's not something that is so uncommonly common, right? And uh, we had three mass shootings this past weekend. Touched on it just a little bit yesterday, but uh, again, still still lost in the reverie of uh, the American Freedom Tour. And uh, the things about it is, guys, is like, take, for example, as we all m- recall and know, when we're talking about like the New York shooter bomber guy, right? Ends up being a black supremacist. Boy, is that off narrative, right? That's way off narrative. Whoa, we cannot have a. B- the sup- blacks are not supremacists, so saith the. Uh, so saith the. The um, the xenophobic, genocidal, racist, globalist pigs, right? Uh, they might have other reasons for thinking that blacks cannot be supremacists, right? But that's the narrative, right there. Blacks can't be racist. They just some of them just hate white people, right? So, as I'm saying, guys, we had all these mass shootings, and they all follow a narrative, okay? False flag season, right? And I'm not saying what occurred this past weekend were false flags, or not that they were all false flags. What I am saying is, be careful, be careful, keep your head on a swivel, keep your camera handy, and no matter what, ladies and gentlemen, if you come across any type of independent, alternative, broadcast, live stream, um, a podcast, or article, and they are inciting you and encouraging you to violence, you turn that crap off, ladies and gentlemen. And I know, because we've come this far without yet firing off a bullet, that you guys know well enough how to discern that, right? 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 If you have someone as a host or a host who's, who's, who has a guest on that is telling the American people it is time to lead a bloody revolution against this coup that has taken over our government, just like General Vallely said. And he said it. Those were his words. I almost marked them exactly the same. You turn that crap off. And you pay them no mind, ladies and gentlemen, because we have come way too far to allow a dull-minded, obvious operation as such to stop the progress we have made towards restoring this republic. I gotta say, guys, I would shut them down anytime I've had a guest and or a host. And I've had hosts. Who I've co-hosted with that have said, "I, you know, I just, I'm just wondering when the American people are going to have enough, and they're just going to get their guns out and go for it." And I'm like, "You, you really want that? You really want a kinetic war? You really want a civilized, an uncivilized revolution? You really want the blood of Americans to spill?" Keeping in mind, ladies and gentlemen, that this is all part of the plan. To have individuals like the Antifers and the BLMers and all of those government dole families who are trigger happy and will absolutely bear arms when they are at their ends meet is part of the design. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the... (coughs) Pardon me, that's the way they designed it. They designed it for us to have that type of opposition with each other. They designed it for us to be at odds with each other and for that division and for that polarized animated hatred and they are just waiting for us to act on it, ladies and gentlemen. They are just waiting. (laughs) They are beyond, uh, they are beyond... um, uh, suspense guys like they are beyond they are just like any minute now any minute now one of them patriots is gonna pull the trigger that was like to hell with dark maga okay that was an obvious psyop that was totally easy to debunk right and i'm glad it didn't i'm glad it didn't uh, hold water that thing was uh, that thing was old as uh, uh, last year's news ladies and gentlemen quick quick you will make concessions for ultra MAGA, but dark MAGA, get the out of my house, dark MAGA. Yeah, such an easy way to paint patriots, Trump supporters as violent individuals who are, uh, going to be exacting their retribution. I mean, come on, really? Really? Legacy media? Globalist? Deep state? You know, uh, henchmen, you think that we're going to fall for that? Okay. And I know I, I'm coming off rather passionate and embroiled right now, but, uh, Yeah, you you turn it off, okay? And you let everyone know so-and-so wants you to go shoot up people and, uh, and maybe General Vallely will hire that person, right, to be part of their operation. So I guess what I'm trying to say here, guys, is like, the operations run into broadcasts like this, guys, okay? The operations run into broadcasts like this. Discernment has been the theme of this season, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, I'm thinking that a lot of us are beginning to exercise that. And I am... Uh, I'm content with that, you know. Uh, so, you know, they have to run these operations, right? And if, the, if their operations are not genuine false flags, then they're outright lies. Or they, are, um, they, are, they, they skew the truth, right? They skew the truth. Good example, right? Has everyone seen the face of this man or know who this guy is, right? This is our, this is our Buffalo, New York shooter, okay? Okay, now now, outright and immediately, what is it that we've seen coming from the MSM, ladies and gentlemen? Hey, Deplore Laura, how's it going? While I'm saying hello, good evening. Just Jules, thank you for gifting the can. And uh, Joe. thank you again for the cookie. Good to see you guys. Bubbles, what's going on? Good to see you there. Good to see you there. I see you. And uh, Kiwis fly high. No, wait. Kiwis can fly. Good, Good morning. You must be joining us from Australia. Good morning, love. Okay, cool. All right. So let's get back on to this guy's perfect example. If it's not a false flag, it is utmost lies okay now immediately what is the first word that you get from the legacy media from the lame stream shame stream fake news legacy mockingbird propaganda press right right wing extremists inspired by fox news and uh tucker carlson right you know was he an anti-semite apparently was he a white supremacist apparently he was but so is nick fuentes right over that america first right he's he's a white supremacist right but so I get it. This guy can be a white supremacist and an anti-Semite, you know, uh, but a um, uh, right wing extremist, maybe only in so as far as uh, Nazis are right wing extremists. But then that's like r- far left. Right. Isn't it? If we follow the uh, pathway of the national socialist and forward to so the ultra nationalists you know, that's the case of where the um, opposing, the opposites are so extreme, they basically meet back right at the same spot. So, right wing, left wing, Nazi, right? Okay. And this is exactly where this guy has placed himself in the grand scheme of things, you know? And so, I have people asking me, what do you mean the mainstream media lied about this guy? He is a white supremacist and an anti-Semite. What could they have said? Well, obviously, lady, and gentlemen, unless you are a member of the legacy media, or you just follow in on the stories that people are feeding you, uh, you would realize that this guy left behind a manifesto wherein he said exactly what he was, right? And it ended with National Socialist, right? Totally against Fox News, totally against Tucker Carlson. How on earth could Tucker Carlson have inspired him to shoot up a bunch of black Americans in Buffalo, New York, unless it was just to smear his name, in which case I think his manifesto would have read quite differently. Don't you, ladies and gentlemen? I do. I do. Let's take a look at this article real quick before we jump into today's report, because this is not even what we're talking about today. It's more of a public service announcement uh, by way of an example that is uh, recent news. Ladies and gentlemen, the Buffalo shooter was an eco socialist racist who hated Fox News and Ben Shapiro. okay. well, somehow Shapiro appears in this. Maybe it's because of the anti-Semite thing anyways. Um, This article from uh, the Washington Examiner says the New York man who shot up a Buffalo supermarket Saturday kept no secrets about how and why he planned to murder as many blacks as possible. From his racist radicalization on the Internet due to the coronavirus lockdowns to his specific choice of a black neighborhood with few guns, New York has cucked gun laws, he wrote the shooter. Um, who made clear he intended to survive the massacre, the Buffalo shooter is no enigma. Hence, a seemingly concerted effort from the corporate media accusing the Buffalo Barbarian of being some sort of Tucker Carlson acolyte would be baffling if it were not so transparently malicious. Isn't it wonderful how quickly these narratives get stripped away, guys? And you guys know how I feel about Fox News, right? You guys know that Fox News is a uh, a shill organization, that they are an operative for the globalists, okay? We're not friends of Fox News here, but the truth should be told where it's merited, correct? In the 180-page document purported to be authored by the shooter, he does not mention Carlson once. The sole explicit mention of Fox News is an... Infographic demarcating top Fox hosts such as Maria Bartiromo and Greg Gutfeld as Jewish. Uh, Rupert Murdoch is decried as a Christian Zionist who may have Jewish ancestry, although it's never publicly admitted. Ben Shapiro is mentioned multiple times, including as an example as the rat phenotype of Jewish people. You know, I would say maybe some people should do some investigating and find out if. Perhaps this Buffalo shooter was not at one time a member of the audience, if not the very student whom Ben Shapiro shot down with his quick-mounted wit wit. and, uh, you know, uh, frankness. Ladies and gentlemen, they'll be like, pictured here in 2017, Buffalo shooter getting embarrassed by Ben Shapiro. Anyways. Moreover, the Buffalo Shooter is a self-described ethno-nationalist, eco-fascist, national-socialist, say that 30 times fast, who loathes libertarianism and conservatism in particular. Ask yourself truly, what has modern conservatism managed to conserve? The Shooter wrote, not a thing has been conserved other than corporate profits and the ever-increasing wealth of the 1% that exploit the people for their own benefit. Conservatism is dead, thank God. Now let us bury it and move on to something of worth. You know, if this this dude understood that all of the isms were created by globalists, um, I don't know, he might have a different worldview. Um, hell, the shooter admits that he's a socialist, depending on the definition. Uh, "'Worker ownership of the means of production,' he writes, "'it depends on who those workers are, their intentions, "'who currently owns the means of production, their intentions, "'and who currently owns the state and their intentions. "'The diatribe implies those workers better be white Gentiles "'who worship Mother Earth. "'Here, crucially, is the shooter on his homicidal obsession "'with environmentalism. "'And uh, shall uh, shall we place the blame on Greta Thunberg for this, or what?' green nationalism is the only true nationalism he wrote there is no conservatism without nature there is no nationalism without environmentalism the natural environment of our lands shaped us just as we shaped it we were born from our lands and our own culture was molded by these same lands the protection and preservation of these lands is of the same importance as the protection and preservation of our own ideals and beliefs for too long, we have allowed the left to co-opt the environmentalist movement to serve their own needs. The left has controlled all discussion regarding environmental preservation whilst simultaneously pres- presiding over the continued destruction of the natural environment itself through mass immigration and uncontrolled urbanization. Wow, what? Wh- whose side was this guy on, huh? <laughs> Aurelius asks, Bernie bro? <laughs> oh let's see here (laughs) whilst offering no true solution to either issue there is no green future with never-ending population growth the ideal green world cannot exist in a world of 100 billion 50 billion or even 10 billion people it sounds like this guy wants to be part of a club that he was not invited to ladies and gentlemen Continued immigration into Europe is environmental warfare and ultimately destructive to nature itself. The Europe of the future is not one of concrete and steel, smog and wires, but a place of forests and lakes, mountains and meadows. I guess he wants to go frolicking not a place where english is the de facto language but a place where every european language belief and tradition is valued each nation and each ethnicity was molded by their own environment and if they are to be protected so must their own environments there is no traditionalism without environmentalism or culturalism or nationalism Whatever. Okay, so the shooter's eco fascism is as inextricable with his white supremacy and anti Semitism as it was in Nazi Germany. Contrary to Carlson or any mainstream conservative thought leader, the shooter's functionally anti, uh, anti, anti, an anti-natalist, viewing humanity in general as secondary in importance to the planet. And even his choice to murder blacks over Jews is because Jews can be dealt with in time, but the high fertility replacers will destroy us now. Damn, this is, I don't know how these people grow up to think this way. Most importantly, the shooter wasn't radicalized by watching Fox News with family after dinner or listening to Shapiro podcasts in the car to work. The dregs of the internet enraptured him during a government-mandated shutdown of normal society and normal social life. But every available statistic, the population at large ran rampant with vices during the isolation of 2020. A few succumbed to the outright suicide. Even many more of the any even many of the more disciplined among us descended into drug and alcohol abuse. But For an already broken person like the shooter, his lockdown poison proved just as addictive as any opioid, and for Sunday's victims, far more dangerous. Wow. What an article. What an understanding. And um, just like that, the uh, Legacy Media's narrative has lost all wind, I would say. Um, At least if this type of information is shared and spread about, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, I I, I got tipped off about this yesterday uh, on the air. Someone was talking about his actual uh, manifesto. And then uh, I think PJ Media, um, they had an article that really focused on, I guess, Fox and Carlson and how, you know, uh, this guy did not support and or even mention, you know, Carlson. So very interesting, guys. But um, again, you know, uh, he was a racist. He was an anti-Semite, and those are the angles that uh, detractors against this shooting, as far as right-wing conservative Trump MAGA supporters goes. That's the angles that they will go with, as I was told at Truth Social by a, um, uh, um, a passive-aggressive troll, um, uh, he was a racist, he was an anti-Semite, so what could the, uh, mainstream media be lying about? Oh, well, I mean, uh, he, They're obviously not, uh, they obviously hadn't read about uh, the Fox News involvement, the Tucker Carlson. Of course, those are the people that uh, I guess better represent the conservatives, right? The uh, Republicans, you know, and uh, well, I mean, I'm sure in time and with all due discernment, uh, you great American folk out there will wake up to the operations of Fox News now. Carlson I don't really have an opinion on you know I mean I know he's uh his family himself are pretty friendly with the likes of you know Hunter Biden and his family I don't know that that relationship still exists it's not my story to tell but I've read communications between the two so um anyhow guys there's that um and uh yeah that's just kind of that's kind of my opening for today guys talking about uh the necessity for us to um, exercise our discernment in regards to um, talking heads, influencers that might be encouraging violence because they're going to do it now. They're doing it now. They're going to try it now, guys. And like I said, uh, they're going to make the situation so bad. We're going to what? According to them, we're going to run out of food. We're going to run out of toilet paper. Or we're going to run out of baby formula. Uh, you know, and um, they're already enraging the left with their Roe v. Wade. Um, you know, that's a psyop on the left, anyways, against the left. You know, we we you know we can pretty much see through that. It's just a big distraction, right? A big distraction from other things that are going on, such as election fraud, election integrity, decertification of 2020, exposing the theft and the coup that took place here in these United States of America on November 3, 2020, uh, or or how about the whole World Health Organization thing that's going on right now, guys? Now, that is also another point of contention, Right the uh, World Health Organization takeover. Actually, you know, it's not even a point of contention, you know, Uh, but um, for some reason, I felt inspired to talk about that today, guys. So we will be visiting, we will be revisiting the World Health Organization takeover, right, by way of the amendments as uh, offered by the Biden administration to... Uh, the World Health Organization. We'll, we'll be revisiting that today, guys, because to me, it seems like there's a little bit of confusion out there about whether or not uh, the amendments really do offer a takeover, whether or not Joe Biden really is handing over the sovereignty of this nation to an international agency. There seems to be a question about that, guys. So we're going to go ahead and revisit it. Um, And we're going to have all of the proper documentation in tow to show you that that actually is the case. I mean, it's not as if though the documents are going to say, and thou, uh, sovereign World Health Organization, shall hereby receive all power and authority of determination For this nation, thereby uh, rendering the sovereignty of such nation as yours to do with. No. And it doesn't say also, obviously, Uh, and the World Health Organization, once in charge of a nation's sovereignty, shall invade and manhandle and do what it will with the people of that nation. Of course, it doesn't say that. Do you think any... Do you think any leftist globalist lawyer would agree to that? No, because it would expose their agenda. Hello. Anyway, so we'll talk about that a little bit later on in the show once we get past 2000 mules, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but of course, as per the usual, President Trump leads here at the C Report. And uh, we've got a statement to share today from the president. Um, all right guys, shell out 9. Good to see you. Thank you for donating the can. Much appreciated. Uh let me let me just see what you oh and just Jules with the can. Thank you again guys for being in the audience and hanging out this afternoon as we get into today's news. Uh, I'm just curious about what is going on over there in the chat room. Let's see here. Uh hate speech is just someone's opinion says or, oh says a uh, Kiwi to Aurelius, my bad. We're not allowed to have an opinion anymore. Apparently not. Well, you know what? That might be very true. Where you stand, my dear friend, Kiwis can fly. (laughs) At least more true than stateside, right? Because I know you're an international viewer. Um, Mr. C works hard. Oh, thank you so much, Just Jules. I appreciate the sentiment. Um, Let's see. What else do we got? Uh, Oh my gosh. No. Kiwis don't live in Australia. (laughs) New Zealand. I'm sorry. New Zealand. My bad. Totally different country, right? Totally different country. Okay, cool. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, Kiwis are New Zealand's national bird, nocturnal and flightless. You know, uh, I just got a brand new wrinkle in my brain. Thank you so much. Okay, cool. (sighs) <sighs> yes, phone news indeed, phone news indeed. Hey, Awakened Mom, how are you doing? I don't watch Fox News, especially since one of their news casters said that the guest could not mention George Soros's name. That's pretty egregious, right? Now, I'm not, I don't watch Fox News either. Uh, uh, my only, my only allowances are if there is a good, an interview of interest or a point to refute in which I'll see a clip right? Just so I'm not, you know, swinging blindly uh, as it were. Ladies and gentlemen, Bubbles, thank you for the cookie. If I hadn't said thank you yet. Okay. All right. <laughs> Aurelius Locke asks if the shooter was from Ukraine, right? Well, I mean, I don't know, but if we have all of those Ukrainian Nazi refugees coming into America, we might see more of that, you know? Uh, I think I think that their wire is a little bit shorter when it comes to uh, other types of uh, terrorists. Anyhow, let's get into President Trump's statement. It's a short one. Well, actually, it's not a short one. It is uh it's actually a uh, it's actually an endorsement, ladies and gentlemen. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? It's Mr. C from The C Report, and I'm stopping in for just a sec to encourage you guys to head over to TheCReport.com. At TheCReport.com, you can get more information on The C Report, check out episode resources, follow our blog and get new articles every week, join our mailing list, and stay abreast on the latest news and information. That's right, head on over to TheCReport.com, that's www.TheCReport.com. Com, and be sure to follow us on our social medias, Truth Social, Rumble, Twitch, Clout Hub, and Net. An endorsement I thought worth the share, uh, of course, with love and me- memory to um, a friend of the show, um, Just V, Beta. Uh, Beta actually brought my attention to Kevin Kiley around about the, um, um, recall elections over in California, uh, actually sent over some video that she had of him speaking, um, to her community. Uh, so when I saw that president Trump had endorsed Kevin Kiley for governor of California, I was like, this is awesome. I was like, very good, very good instinct, you know, and, uh, most definitely guys, um, I I probably would not have paid attention to this man any sooner had it not been for just V. So uh, in loving memory, you know, I think we'll share this endorsement of Kevin Kiley. Now, uh, Kevin Kiley, um, uh, again, he is running for um, governor, if I'm not mistaken. yep, he's running for governor. And uh, he's running against Gavin Newsom. He's actually had... I would say uh, the most consistent record of any conservative in the state of California, right? So, um, you know, he 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 stands a chance if California is as red as I am told, and as I believe as well. After all, it's just those uh, main city centers that are uh, turning it purple. Anyhow, President Trump had this to say about Kevin Kiley. Uh, President Trump says, Kevin Kiley, who is running for Congress. Oh, oh! I, I apologize. I thought he was running for governor. Uh, it says he is running for Congress in California's third congressional district, has been a conservative champion in the California state capitol. No one has fought Gavin Newsom harder than Kevin. He does not wait for the fight like the do-nothing rhinos who have watched California get absolutely destroyed By the radical maniacs in Sacramento, Kevin is smart and tough. He earned his bachelor's degree from Harvard and his law degree from Yale. Kevin Kiley is tough on securing our border, ending California's reckless universal mail-in ballots, and securing our elections. Kevin is going to be a Make America Great Again champion in Congress and has my complete and total endorsement. Now, okay, so President Trump says he's running for Congress, right? But I swear on Bannon's war room, he said he was running for governor, okay? So let me let me just do real quick sleuthing on the uh, search machine here. And I see Kylie for California, okay, dot com. And uh, it says here, uh, Kevin, Co- actually, let me not be so selfish. I'll put it on the screen. Okay. I'll put it on the screen. Okay. There we go. Kylie for California.com. Uh, Kevin Kylie was elected to the California State Assembly in 2016 and has twice been reelected by substantial margins. In 2020 election, he received more votes than any Republican in California history. Okay. So this is about Kevin Kylie. Um, it appears to me, guys, that he is in fact running for governor. Uh, Let's see here. On his intro page, it doesn't say what he's running for. I got to reset my clock. Just a moment, ladies and gentlemen. And yeah, I was like, eventually this, uh, eventually this, uh, here website will update itself. Okay. Let me go ahead and reset my clock. All right. The clock has been reset. And uh, it says here. Uh, we need to get back to the basics. Pave our roads, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Humility, the rule of law. It doesn't say what office he's running for. Oh, wait, right here. Paid for by Kevin Kiley for governor. So indeed, Kevin Kylie is running for governor, ladies and gentlemen. Well, hurrah. Very good. Okay, so... Uh, Nobody tell President Trump that uh, he made a misstatement here, guys. Somebody will tell him, okay? Somebody will tell him. Um, oh, uh, you know, And, and you know, uh, Kevin Kylie, again, he he accepted that um, endorsement graciously without making a correction. Uh, but make no mistake, ladies and gentlemen, Kevin Kiley is running for governor in the state of California. And Godspeed, Kevin. Godspeed. I'm sure he'll make a good governor. He'll make a good governor. So, uh, barring that they actually get uh, these elections of 2020 sorted out, I would say this man stands a really good chance. A really good chance. All right, guys. So, very cool. Very cool. All right. Good to hear. Good to hear about Kevin Kiley. And uh, congrats on the endorsement. All right, guys. Let's get into some of the fallout and pushback for the documentary 2000 mules, the uh, phenom itself, the seminal um, um, documentary that exposes beyond a shadow of a doubt that there were some shenanigans going on in the 2020 election. Now, again, guys, this is like, unlike any other time period we have been in, we've known of election theft, fraud, etc., for decades, if not more than a century. Uh, but um, the, the, the the fraud that occurred in 2020 was just so blatantly obnoxiously obvious it was a matter of time before that fraud was uncovered and it has been quite a challenge to get to this point wherein even the uh, force of public opinion is beginning to shift outside of the boundaries of conservatives trump supporters at all ladies and gentlemen But the other groups of thought are beginning to see it as well. An uphill battle because of the legacy press and their bullhorn brainwasher that uh, gets away with deceiving everybody left and right now and for forever, right? So, well, maybe not forever, right? We're seeing a lot of cracks in their apparatus. You know, I would dare say that this latest, oh, this eco-fascist national socialist Uh, Is a conservative, it it could serve to be another crack, ladies and gentlemen. It could serve to be another crack if we uh, leverage it right, you know. Anyhow, uh, an uphill battle because of the legacy media, but um, when it comes to 2000 Mules and uh, the information it has and in the way it was delivered, uh, it needs not be said again, but it will be. It is one of the most effective documentaries, as far as election theft, fraud, and integrity goes. And it is single-handedly one of the most genius investigations where again, we see that these deep state globalist operators just seem to think that they are totally, totally immune to technology a technology, ladies and gentlemen, has once again done in these hubris ridden hacks against humanity. Just like Hillary Clinton suffered at the hands of the dreaded email, um, we have um, we have the um, election fraudsters, uh, the coup enablers, the treasonous bastards themselves, ladies and gentlemen. Who are meeting their day because of the crazy evil geo tracking systems that were utilized in order to obtain the data needed to flesh out this investigation? Genius, Catherine Engelbrecht, Greg Phillips, True the Vote. Cannot say how much gratitude I have for that outfit. Very glad to have been sharing their story as far back as last summer, ladies and gentlemen, here at the Sea Report. And I'm glad that this documentary um, has received the attention that is merited it. And also, you know, also the um, uh, the gravity. People recognize the seriousness of it. It's starting to change public opinion. Because everybody knows that geotracking is uh, is pretty, it's pretty um, uh, accurate. Um, as as they say, within inches, okay, within inches. So uh, the good news here, guys, in case you hadn't heard, and I'm sure you all have, is that um, 2,000 Mules will be back in the theaters, ladies and gentlemen, you know? And now most of us were already twice removed from the theaters before even the pandemic occurred, right? But um, everyone else still loves a good movie and God bless capitalism And uh, God bless the free market, Um, it's because of those very elements that this film is going back into theaters nationwide because um, starving, underfunded, and ignored movie theaters who are just itching for an audience to buy their popcorn and get their ticket were like, please come back please come back. Show your film again. I mean, the sucker sold out, I think, in just about every theater that it showed in. Okay. So um, we have uh, this information here for those of you who are wondering. The film 2000 Mules is returning to theaters this Friday. Around 400 theaters across the nation will perform a normal release with typical tip ticket sales and multiple showings each day, beginning on May twentieth, ladies and gentlemen, with the success uh, with the success of the movie, Dinesh D'Souza says, a lot of independent theaters began to call us, "Hey, why didn't we have this movie in the theater?" And we were like, "You know what?" This is fantastic. A lot of our people love to see the movie in groups, love to see in the theater. In fact, we've been bombarded with people trying to organize groups. So check your local listings, ladies and gentlemen, for the next showing of 2,000 Mules in your neck of the woods and go out and see it. Take your friends. They can't stop this machine now. It is far beyond, I mean, the brakes They have been pumping those brakes as much as they could, only to find that the will of God and patriotism and love of nation has snipped the brakes, ladies and gentlemen. It's a full-on runaway train now when you have theaters asking them to bring back a... They're like, we don't care what the film is about. It grossed us so much money. Oh, it's a great day, ladies and gentlemen, a great day. So let's move on to some of the uh, fallout and pushback aspects. Of two thousand mules and exactly how it's affected real in in real life uh, types of situations. We'll focus in on Michigan first, okay. Uh, Now, Michigan, which obviously is one of the most corrupt states in the union, ladies and gentlemen, um, has been one of the stalwarts of um, um, election fraud denial, um, uh, pushing their own big lie about the security and accuracy of their elections in 2020 or otherwise. You know, I mean, it's just like every single one of these states in particular, the top five most contentious, fraudulent states. They all seem to bear the title of the golden standard for elections as far as security and accuracy. They all seem to be that way, guys. But we know it's not true, right? We know it's not true. Um, So uh, what's going on in Michigan? It appears that um, because of the fervor of... um, Um, uh, 2,000 Mules and what it shared with the world, ladies and gentlemen, that uh, they might actually be wrapping up towards further investigations, guys, which is great news. Great news indeed, because they need it. They need all the support that they can get. And uh, let's see what this article, I believe this is from the Gateway Pundit, has to say. Uh, It says, 2,000 mules, just tip of the voter fraud iceberg. Michigan investigators reveal mountain of new evidence of 2020 election fraud. Uh, It goes this way. uh, With the release of 2,000 mules, patriots around the country are seeing the truth about the obvious voter fraud that was caught on video at designated ballot boxes. The mules are those who are dropping fraudulent ballots into drop boxes. We know about the ones that were recorded and who were sloppy enough to keep their phones with them as they committed systemic voter fraud. Again, they fall at the hands of technology, right? Patriot Joe Brandis, who has been investigating Michigan voter fraud since the 2020 election with Michigan Citizens for Election Integrity, says this is just the tip of the iceberg of voter fraud evidence that is emerging every week and what's about to come. The Gateway Pundit reported on a wide variety of eyewitnesses who observed fraud just in Michigan. Many of those observers mentioned a very suspicious 3.30 a.m. Biden ballot dump of votes in Detroit at the TCF Center where absentees were being counted. The big steel deniers wasted no time in supposedly debunking the white van that witnesses observed on election night. The problem with the latest Big Steel Denier narrative is it still does not explain the math of the ballots that showed up in a suspicious late-night van. With the video from Zuckerberg Dropboxes reviewed, the 3.30 a.m. TCF van is filled with ballots that cannot be explained according to investigators. Much less can the media shills explain why there were two Van deliveries, another one an hour later at 4.30 a.m. to the TCF Center. Where did Detroit's 3.30 a.m. and 4.30 a.m. Biden ballot dump votes come from? Courageous Detroit elections worker whistleblower Jesse Jacob testified that the Zuckerberg drop boxes were cleared out every hour. Jacob also said that there were no ballots left to process at the Detroit Department of Elections by 8.30 p.m. on election night. Jacob said that she was instructed not to challenge any ballot, that every ballot was processed through the Detroit Department of Elections. This matches a well-documented controversy where Democrat Michigan Secretary of State or Secretary of Snakes Jocelyn Benson illegally eliminated the signature verification process for absentee ballots. Every single witness the Gateway Pundit spoke with said that there were no ballots left to count and tabulate by around 9 p.m. on election night at the TCF Center. Many left the location because there was nothing left to do. Every other county in Michigan other than Wayne County and three others that tilted heavily for Biden had already reported their totals on election night. Wayne County was suspiciously last to report their election totals. The Edison data from Michigan was showing voter results in real time, a service offered to media outlets. The Edison data for Michigan shows a major spike of late ballots in Wayne County slash Detroit. The big steel deniers had a workable fake news narrative for a while until the Gateway Pundit went for the security camera footage from Detroit. They tried to deny the request by quoting a $22,000 fee for the footage. Um, Gateway Pundit publisher Jim Hoft published this exclusive after he and Cassandra Fairbanks reviewed the footage and blew up the entire mainstream narrative. When Hoff posted on the article on Twitter, which is the video proof of the Biden ballot dump, it was the final election fact that got Hoff permanently banned from Twitter because he violated the civic integrity policy, For a while, Twitter banned the vote fraud van, saying a video of the van was nudity or sexual in nature. Oh, that's so sexy. A ballot drop van rolling up at 3.30 a.m. in that sexy lingerie, right? (laughs) Anyways, uh, and there's the picture of the van, ladies and gentlemen, for everyone to see. The ballot dump van, right? This white van clearly delivering ballots was noticed right away by Patriot Shane Trejo, who went on and alerted the Republican Party attorneys that Detroit was about to steal another election through through absentee fraud. Trejo was the Paul Revere of the voter fraud that night. Detroit says only 16,000 votes in late night ballot dump that media lied about for months. City of Detroit senior advisor to the city clerk Chris Thomas claims that only 16 ballots, 16,000 ballots arrived in the 3:30 a.m. Biden ballot dump. Chris Thomas also only admits to the 3:30 a.m. Biden ballot dump, not the second one later that night. But Patriot Joe Brandis notes Michigan added 149,000 votes for Biden at 6:31 a.m. the day after the election where 94% of the votes were for Joe Biden. Where did those votes come from if most of the other counties had already reported their final totals by 8 p.m. on election night? The big still deniers are now saying that it was all just late-arriving absentees, though. They dropped all their gaslighting about the van being fake food, camera equipment, But they say that it's just legal late ballots without doing any other investigation. The big steel deniers simply take government PR flax at their word. They ask Chris Thomas if he stole the election for Biden and report that it's debunked when he lies and says no. They don't perform any journalism. They just repeat the talking points. There are only a few sources of potential late arriving absentees. One... Zuckerberg drop boxes, two satellite voting centers, and three last minute in-person same day registration voters. Video evidence now proves that there's no way to account for even 16,000 late night ballots. Jesse Jacobs said the Zuckerberg drop boxes were cleared every hour Patriots in Michigan have reviewed the video from 19 drop boxes and estimate that no more than 61 total votes are observed, being picked up at the 19 boxes they have reviewed video from, an average of three per box in the last hour. The most ballots observed collected from any single box was 13. That same rate across Detroit's 30 drop boxes only yields 90 last-minute drop box absentee ballots being picked up by 8 p.m. In addition to the Zuckerberg drop boxes, there were also 23 satellite voting centers where voters could drop off ballots in Detroit. Witnesses relay that roughly the same number of people voted there as used the drop boxes. That explains 69 additional votes. The number of same-day registrants who voted in Wayne County's clerk's office was 455 on November 2nd and uh, 1,471 on November 3rd. 90 plus 69 plus 1,471 does not equal 16,000. It's a mere 2016. The counting boards counted ballots in batches on election day where they counted the absentees first. The in-person vote second and then counted the remaining ballots from the, that day last. There is no large batch of ballots that accounts for the late-night surge of Biden votes. There's certainly no source of ballots that would explain two late-night ballot dumps at the TCF Center at 3:30 a.m. and 4:30 a.m. This means the only total of the, the only total of last-minute absentees arriving by van should have been 2016 ballots at most, assuming all the same day voters on election day were counted until after the polls closed. Yet Detroit senior advisor to the city clerk Thomas admits there were 16,000 votes in the 330 a.m. Biden ballot dump. By his own admission and and the available evidence, where did the extra 16,000 come from? At the 3.30 a.m. Biden ballot dump, there were somewhere between 52 to 60 boxes brought into the TCF Center. Those boxes can hold an estimated 350 ballots at most, accounting for the 16,000 ballots or the number of ballots given by Detroit's Thomas. But then, where did the rest of the ballots posted at 6.30 a.m. come from, since other counties had already reported their totals? Biden posted 149,000 suspicious Michigan votes at 6.30am that were 94% in his favor. Detroit claims they only brought in 16,000 of those, of which 16,000 can't be reasonably explained. And where did the other 131,000 votes in Michigan come from since other counties had already reported all of their voting the evening before? There were 600 Zuckerberg drop boxes installed across the state of Michigan. Detroit had 23 satellite voting centers. Detroit had at least one ReliAVote machine parked at the Department of Elections, according to voter fraud investigator Phil O'Halloran. There was no public right to review the process at the Department of Elections, as citizens do not have the right to review the signature verification process. This machine allows users to manufacture a replacement ballot. It is essentially a ballot printing machine. Oh, kind of like we're learning about the uh, capabilities of all Dominion voting machines, or at least specific models. Detroit had access to a machine that would reprint ballots. Dominion whistleblower Melissa Caroni uh, reported that she saw Dominion officials panic at 1130 p.m. on election night and claimed there was a data loss and they had to head over to the Department of Elections. To her credit, she has consistently and reliably said that same story from the day after the election onwards. Were the Dominion voters sent there to ensure that the proper ballots were printed on the Relya Vote machine to ensure a Biden victory to create the paper record of ballots? What else accounts for the 7.5 hour time delay getting late arriving absentee ballots from the Department of Elections to the TCF Center at a six minute drive? And why would there be a second van at 4.30 a.m.? Biden won Detroit, according to the mainstream sources, by 94%. Detroit is 77% black and 14% white, yet national exit polls show Trump getting 12% of the black vote and 58% of the white vote. Trump received 12,654 votes from Detroit from the official totals. But based on trends from the exit polls, Trump should have received at least... 30,000 more votes, at least 30,000 missing Trump votes in Detroit based on national exit poll. Were those missing Trump votes overridden by Dominion machines and then reprinted at the Department of Elections on a ReliaVote machine and then trucked over to the TCF center to be counted at 3.30 a.m. and 4.30 a.m.? The documentary 2000 Mules shows what could be called retail voter fraud, The kind of on-the-street voter fraud engaged in by Democrats in big city elections and a tactic that Democrats have long been known for. But what patriots witnessed in the 2020 election was systematic wholesale voter fraud. They witnessed machines that flipped votes, machines and clerks that always erred in favor of Biden and against Trump, machines that were web connected to provide a real-time view of voter results to unknown outside persons who were able to stop voting in multiple battleground states when Trump was ahead and then resume it and magically find ballots that made Biden the front runner. When Democrat Garland Gilcrest ran against Detroit clerk Janice Winfrey in 2017. A late night surge of absentee ballots delivered at 3 a.m. changed the outcome from a Gilcrest win to a Winfrey win. Gilcrest, now the Michigan lieutenant governor, called it a catastrophe at the time. Why were there two van deliveries of ballots to the TCF center in the middle of the night at 3.30 and 4.30 a.m.? And where did those votes come from? Good question. Good question. Could merit another investigation, but I mean, it sounds like they got a handle on this one, guys. It sounds like they have a handle on this one. We'll see what happens. You know, I uh, that's a they had a lot more video footage uh, than I was aware of in Detroit. And that's a good thing, right? That is a good thing. All right, next story about... Oh, looks like my stories are back in backed up and okay here here we go that's the uh, that's the title I'm uh, looking for all right so it appears a uh, more fallout from 2000 mules uh, Yuma County Sheriff has opened an active investigation into 2020 election fraud now if you guys may recall uh, we listened to a, a sound clip of um, um, a whistleblower describing exactly how the ballot trafficking fraud occurs in Yuma County and appears to be part of a ring of some sort that's not dissimilar from like um, a drug cartel ring or, you know, a money laundering type of ring. Uh, So this press release coming uh, narrowly a few days ago, um, uh, the sheriff of Yuma County discusses Um, the efforts that they are going to take in his county to uh, prevent future election fraud. So there's another good thing, guys. We've got real world people really taking this serious in the light of the um, obvious as displayed in 2000 Mules. Let's take a quick gander. It says here the Yuma County Sheriff's Office and the Yuma County Recorder's Office are working together to actively examine cases of voting fraud from the 2020 general election and now a recent pattern of fraudulent voter registration forms leading up to the 2022 primary election. As of March, 2022, the Yuma County Sheriff's Office has 16 voting slash registration open cases. All relevant evidence is being formally documented by the Yuma County Recorder's Office and further investigated by the Yuma County Sheriff's Office. Some examples of the voter fraud Yuma County is currently seeing are the following impersonation fraud voting in the name of other legitimate voters and voters who have died or moved away false registrations falsifying a voter registration by either use using a real or fake name birth date or address this is being done by outreach groups who are paid for each registration form they submit therefore are out soliciting voters into unnecessarily re-registering or falsifying form Forms with Yuma County residents' identities. Wow, it's crazy that they already have a handle on that one. That's crazy. Duplicate voting, submitting multiple votes or registering in multiple locations and voting in the same election in more than one jurisdiction, and fraudulent use of absentee ballots, requesting absentee ballots and voting without the knowledge of the actual voter or obtaining the absentee ballot from a voter and either filling it in directly and forging the voter's signature or illegally telling the voter who to vote for. If you suspect or witness individuals committing any of the mentioned voting frauds, share their name or any other identifying information to law enforcement immediately. The majority of voter fraud cases in Yuma County are related to duplicate voting, typically charged as illegal voting and false voter registration. Under Arizona law, illegal voting is a class five or class six felony. A person found guilty faces up to two or 2.5 years in prisons, fines, restitution, loss of voting rights, and or probation. Yuma County Sheriff's Office and the Yuma County Recorder's Office advise all Yuma County residents to go directly to the Yuma County Recorder's Office or Arizona Secretary of State's Office. I don't think that would be a really good idea. Oh, no, wait. To register to vote. Okay, fine. To register to vote to check your voter registration status and or update your voter registration in advance or uh, of the voter registration deadline of Tuesday, July 5th, 2022. I guess you guys can tell how I feel about Katie Hobbs, right? I was like, you can't take your evidence of voter fraud to Katie Hobbs. Are you kidding me? Anyways, all right. I should just finish reading the sentence, right? You can also visit uh, servicearizona.com, all one word, servicearizona.com, to use the online registration system. Do not fill out voter registration forms in the community unless it is a county employee as they are being mined for personal information and often take over a month to be submitted to the county's recorder's office for processing. If Yuma County voters find any incorrect information in their current voter registration record, please notify the county recorder's office immediately. Anyone with information regarding a voter fraudulent schemes or believe they have been a victim of fraudulent vote, please contact the Yuma County Sheriff's Office at 928-783-4427. To remain anonymous, you may call 928-78-CRIME or visit yumacountysheriff.org to submit an anonymous tip. So they're taking it seriously. And, you know, the best thing about these types of investigations is you have law enforcement involved, right? Maybe not the same thing can be said about Georgia. We'll talk about that in a minute, right? But at least we have law enforcement that's taking this serious, like the uh, sheriff over in Racine County, Sheriff Schmailing right? And the investigation that he performed over there in Wisconsin, including the recommendations that were ignored by their state AG and all the county DAs for some reason, right? Go figure, I wonder what's up with that. How strange, how odd that they would not even further their investigation. But uh, good news when we have law enforcement getting involved at this capacity, ladies and gentlemen. All right, let's talk about Wisconsin. Speaking of Wisconsin, right, we got a bit of fallout shenanigans going on over there. Now, uh, the 2000 Mules evidentiary uh, documentary um, uh, and what it showed in there, again, a wall up. To all of those who participated in this fraud, never thought that they would maybe get caught. Never thought, perhaps, that they would get busted by their own cell phones. But this this story here um, that comes out of Wisconsin actually also addresses the issue of the electronic registration information center. Otherwise, so lovingly deemed the election rigging information center here at the C-Report. And that is, of course, Eric, the lefty-owned or lefty-started national database, right? Uh, Headline reads, Wisconsin Election Commission, as nefarious as they are, takes down voter roll list and voting history of 7.2 million voters after release of 2000 Mules Documentary. Huh. I wonder why the Wisconsin Election Commission would have done such a thing, right? Could it possibly prove some of this fraud or perhaps their negligence? Uh, So it says here, um, uh, True the Vote, investigators Catherine Engelbrook and Greg Phillips have identified over 2,000 ballot trafficking mules in all the battleground states. According to the evidence discussed in the movie, if you factor in just the identified ballot trafficking, Trump won with 305 electoral votes. The movie discusses the Democrat-linked stash houses, but does not mention any names or locations. On Saturday, uh, Catherine Engelbrecht and Greg Phillips announced they will be releasing all of the addresses of the ballot stash houses. And now this. Following the release of 2,000 mules last week, something peculiar took place in Wisconsin. The Wisconsin Election Commission took down its voter roll list of all the 7.2 million names on the state's voter rolls. I believe a more accurate number of voters is 4 million I'm not mistaken. Wisconsin voter fraud investigator Jefferson Davis reached out to the WEC after his team noticed this sudden development. Here's what the letter to the Wisconsin Election Commission had to say. It said, good morning. The Division of Enterprise Technology has to Oh, wait. Oh, well, we can't see his letter in uh, in this view. So let me uh, shift out of it real quick. Oh, yes, the good old Gateway Pundit. Okay, so uh, let's see here. Uh, this is what his letter had to say, and I'll expand that for better vision. There we go. It said, good morning, Megan and Robert. We have been getting reports the, over the weekend that there appears to be a major breach or compromise of some degree of the voting history for the nearly 7.2 million names on the voter rolls, I have attached screenshots of my account, and the voting history shows no record. To con and to contact the the uh, <laughs> the Wisconsin Election Commission, please let me know as soon as possible what you are able to find out involving this highly unusual and mysterious development. Looking forward to hearing from you soon, Jefferson. Okay, so we can pop back into immersive. And here's their response. Good morning. The Division of Enterprise Technology has to renew certificates for each and every domain the state owns periodically. At least one renewal did not go through, so they're fixing it this morning. Certificates are an essential component of security for any site, so if there's anything unusual with certificates, then communication stops. Hence, my vote can't obtain certain types of data from the database. He says, I would agree it's a major breach. A major breach sounds more exciting, but I wouldn't make it my first assumption. If the Wisconsin Election Commission believes it can alter the bloated voter roll database without it being identified, they are mistaken. I have to pop out of immersive again because apparently uh, we're not getting the full story here, it seems. Yeah, yeah. So I guess that is as it seems. That is, as it seems, from the Gateway Pundit. But yeah, one would have to ask, why would they uh, remove their voter rolls in such a fashion, ladies and gentlemen? One would have to wonder. (laughs) Uh, Shell out nine. In the last four years, I've lived in Wisconsin, Arizona, and Georgia. And uh, yeah, you have been uh, you've been a a, a ground zero for a lot of the fraud going on. Ladies, Um, Michelle out nine. Okay, so uh, there's that story from Wisconsin, guys, Uh, our last 2000 mule story to share with you guys before we get into some uh, juicy materials about uh, certain um, um, organizations that deal with the health of the world. We'll take a gander at this clip from Emerald Robinson interviewing um, Greg Phillips of True the Vote. Um, And so this, this directly pertains to Georgia, ladies and gentlemen, it directly pertains to the state of Georgia and their election fraud. Now, as I have been saying, we have to pay attention to the state of Georgia. The reason being why is that with this uh, investigation coming to a head from True the Vote and breaching across, you know, um, all platforms, really, ladies and gentlemen, uh, you have, people are wondering what is the next step in this process, okay? Uh, we have this documentary, uh, can we just decertify now? Unfortunately, we cannot do such things because uh, the next steps is it goes into the hands of law enforcement and lawmakers, okay? Georgia is the first state and currently the only state that has an open investigation into the allegations of ballot trafficking in these United States of America. Now, I have remarked that I find it quite fishy that little Bradford Raffensperger, the secretary of snakes over there in the state of Georgia, issued several subpoenas. Okay, to True the Vote to retrieve information that they had regarding this investigation, but they were looking for information pertaining to um, the whistleblower that they have on record who stated. That um mules went uh, to several drop boxes, stopped by non-governmental organization offices and other nonprofit or political offices, and were paid ten dollars per ballot with top payout being somewhere around 50k, okay, per per mule. As I recall the whistleblower stating. So Bradford Rappensberger wants the identity. He wants the name, the address, contact information for the whistleblower. He also wants the name, the address, and contact information for that whistleblower's mother. Okay. Something smells rotten to me. Something smells like Bradford Rappensburger is going to look for this whistleblower in order to, I don't know, send the uh, GBI, the Georgia Bureau of Investigations, uh, you know, um, strong arms over there to muscle him into silence, or who knows, maybe he'll, uh, he'll, he'll Raffensperger side him, right? And uh, he'll take care of the problem that way. After all, uh, Bradford Raffensperger has basically laid his stake down on this hill, that there was no election fraud in Georgia, that it was the golden standard of elections, and that uh, Trump bullied him on the phone. And Wandrea um, Shea Moss, and Ruby Freeman are the most innocent angels ever to be produced by God above. That's the standpoint of Bradford Raffensperger, okay? Uh, but uh, this new interview with uh, Greg Phillips of Truth the Vote reveals that um, uh, there might be some uh, there might be some shenanigans on in play here in Georgia. Now, we know that Greg Phillips and Catherine Engelbert of True the Vote delivered this information to Governor Rhino Brian Kemp and Bradford Ravensburger, like in December, ladies and gentlemen. And do you guys recall what happened after they relayed this investigation to their offices? Why, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, there was a leak in Georgia media about this investigation that basically discredited it and revealed information that was need to know. That's right, in the hands of Kemp, this investigation leaked to the media and to everyone that needed to know that True the Vote was snooping around their election business. So you could understand the um, hesitation and the mild anxiety that Greg Phillips might feel whenever Bradford Raffensperger wants the names and the dates of all of their contacts, whistleblowers and other ballot traffickers. Do you think all of a sudden we're going to see a string of mules found dead on the side of the road or, I don't know, uh, suicided or hanging or, uh, you know, pills or drowned or shot in the head or pushed off of a train a train station into, onto the tracks? I don't know. In Georgia, there are 242 mules. That's quite a high number, Bradford. You might want to uh, strategize differently in that regard. So uh, let's take a gander uh, most quickly at this interview and see what Greg Phillips has to say. I smell rotten afoot, ladies and gentlemen, about you know, the state of this investigation at the hands of Bradford Raffensperger, Secretary of Snakes, and the Georgia Bureau of Investigation. But uh, let's just see what um, Greg Phillips has to say about it.
1: Andy Biggs will join us to react to the news that broke after James O'Keefe spoke at his hearing in D.C. on the use of law enforcement to spy on and try to silence journalists this week. While True the Vote fights to reveal voter fraud, some who should be working to clean it up are instead focused on fighting fighting the watchdog. Watchdog. And concerned about the 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 outlets continue continue media blackout film, film. what are they afraid afraid of? of? We'll discuss with True the Vote's Greg Phillips. Get ready for a whole lot of absolute truth.
2: like you've never seen, releasing a barrage of false claims of fraud and crime that always conservatives who seem to get censored. All right, Greg, what do you want to do? Release it all.
1: The, the video, the data, all of it. Make it all public. The world needs to see this. Okay, well, we've already built a plan. And I
2: knew you would. So uh, how long is it going to take? Um, give me a few weeks. I'm leaving right now. <laughs> wait for my mark. And then we will pull True, the crimp cord
1: says there's more to come the movie has raked in more than a million dollars on streaming platforms despite a media blackout even by major conservative outlets now here to join us to discuss the reaction to the film and answer the question for us about what's to come or at least give us a hint is true the votes lead analyst greg phillips greg welcome
2: thank you so much for having me
1: you know, a lot has happened since the film came out. And before we get into what to expect, you're cr- clearly teasing uh, more to come. I, I have to ask you, because it's been a bit surprising, even in me having worked in corporate media and it's some of these outlets that aren't uh, featuring the movie or trying not to talk about it. What are they so afraid of, Greg?
2: Well, we're, we're 100% over the target. Um, we've been canceled pretty much across the board. Uh, There's one of the idiots at the Washington Post that's written seven articles in a row about us over nine days. Um, It's just, it's complete insanity. But you know what? It had to be expected, I think. They never thought that anyone would look at this video. They never thought that this level of uh, uh, research would be done about the crimes that they committed. And that said, they, they're gonna do anything they can to stop it.
1: And this is conservative outlets too included. It's not just the Washington Post, Greg. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, I have sat in Republican operative luncheons and listened to them for at least a decade complain about ballot harvesting, complain about right. operations that you definitively show proof of so what gives with the Republicans this time? Is it because it would show? I mean, if, if you go on the premise of the film and what you show, you'd have to say that Donald Trump won the election. Is that what they're afraid of?
2: Well, I think it is, Errol, but I think there's something deeper in all of this. And maybe this is the, you know, the sort of the paranoia of, of me. I haven't done this for 40 years. There's a something that I've long called conservative ink. And these people make a living on all of these problems and so if you fix the problem they can't make a living and well you know i don't yet have any evidence that that's true it's hard to believe that it's not because this is so significant i was in atlanta last night um, or up in forsyth county had an amazing i was invited to an amazing event had hundreds of people come out to screen this movie and i mean people spent you know, an hour and a half, two hours talking to me in the parking lot after, after the, the event was over. And people are just incensed. Like we talked about last time I was on your show. Uh, and Aaron Lewis said in one of his songs that, you know, people are shaking their heads and saying something ain't right. Well, now they get an, an opportunity to put their eyeballs on the what that something is. And they're not happy. They're not happy with Republicans. They're not happy with Democrats. In fact, somebody came up to me and sort of, uh, she's, seemed to be a democrat i'm not i'm not 100% sure and she said well i, I just don't understand why you're only protecting republicans and I, and i said ma'am uh, i am not protecting, re, protecting republicans i'm protecting the republic this is something that everyone yeah. in america needs to say everyone needs to know what's going on you know if they want to cover it up let them keep trying because um so far the the results of the of uh, the viewings have been extraordinary we sold out 80,000 tickets on our virtual premiere uh, we had a thousand people or so at mar-a-lago for for that event uh they've thousands tens of thousands hundreds of thousands of downloads already of the movie and it's just it's extraordinary but nobody seems to want to participate other than great people like you <laughs>
1: Well, and and average Americans, I can't tell you how many people are texting me to tell me they've watched the movie and ask me if I've seen it and talk about it. But I want to go back to something you just said about the cover up, because um, we have obtained an email here at The Absolute Truth uh, that that was a bit concerning when you're talking about not just Democrats, but Republicans. This is a letter addressed to Governor Kemp and his office uh, from it appears to be your team. And I'm hoping you can confirm this for us. But a part of any investigation like yours at True the Vote, Greg, is is protecting your sources, right? And what some might not know is that you and Catherine Engelbrecht have done the due diligence of trying to protect your sources, but read in the appropriate government officials and give the evidence to the appropriate law enforcement so that they can follow up and do something about it. But they haven't been exactly respected, to be polite. Uh, In this letter sent by uh, previous True the Vote uh, lawyers, it indicates that you gave some information to Brian Kemp's office, the Georgia Bureau of Investigation, and the FBI, and it ended up getting leaked to the media. In fact, a letter revealing the sources was leaked uh, back, and, and, and the letter contains information that, uh, according to this letter that you know we obtained, uh, was provided confidentially to the FBI, and that it should never have been taken from the FBI and given to. The media, because it discloses these uh, confidential sources, and you also say in the letter, or the lawyer says in the letter, that it it mischaracterizes and selectively omits the evidence that True the Vote provided in a confidential meeting attended by the representatives of Kemp's office and representatives of the FBI. And the letter appears to minimize activities that the Georgia law enforcement officials failed to detect. This is very concerning to you. Uh, that this would be leaked, that the confidentiality would be compromised. And uh, and, and you were calling on Kemp's office to address this. So can you tell us exactly what's going on here, the situation and what has resulted since this letter?
2: Yeah, well, almost a year ago, I did go brief uh, Governor Kemp's office, um, his chief of staff in particular, uh, as well as the head of the GBI and three or four representatives from the GBI. Um, a year ago, and they chose to do nothing. Um, uh, It wasn't until Donald Trump mentioned this situation at a rally in Georgia in late September that they decided to do anything. Uh, So they waited four or five months, and then what they did literally was go down, rather than um, investigate and look at all of this, they chose to, to pull the metadata from the file and burn me burn a couple of my analysts by name in the ajc and you just can't make this stuff up and now what we're dealing with is um we made a a a formal complaint to the secretary of state on uh december 1st of 2021 so it has been about six months or so Um, it was only a handful of days before the movie was released that they reached out to us, except what they did was they reached out to us with some subpoenas, not about our complaints, but trying to get me to turn over my sources and the the witnesses who came forward uh, and who came forward, you know, not only with a commitment from me that I would never burn them, um, but with the expectation that they would never be burned. This is a very, very dangerous escalation in this. I believe that somebody's going to get killed if they're not careful. These people are stupid. The the investigator himself and the people who fashioned this subpoena are going to get someone killed. They don't understand what they're dealing with. I'm not going to reveal the source. I don't care what they do. They can cuff me. I'm not revealing the source. But why should we even be doing this? Let me give you another example of, of the way it should work. So in the movie, we talk about Yuma, Arizona, and what happened in a little place called San Luis, Arizona in South Yuma County. Um, and that location has been really a microcosm, in my view, of how, how it should work. Um, there have been arrests. Um, there have been convictions. Mm-hmm. Uh, there have been, just in the last few days, people pleading guilty to even more. And then yesterday... The sheriff came out and said, we have 17 more that we're looking at um, and and really sort right. of denoted that that he's doing this. And we, we also know that the uh, Arizona Attorney General's Office, because we've been involved and in touch with them over the last uh, year or so, um, they're very active in this. They're collecting our data. They're looking at things as well. We're going to see some significant legislation coming forward out of Arizona in part thanks to everything that's happening here. But when you have a local sheriff like in Yuma County and you have the attorney general in the state of Arizona and you have legislators that are moving significant legislation forward, that's the way it should work. That's why civilians like us do this kind of work. But if I'm going to endanger my my life, the life of our witnesses and others, you know, for these morons to to, you know, get their jollies about exposing someone's name. It's it's ridiculous. I will never burn a source ever.
1: Yeah. And the sheriff, uh, the the Yuma County did put out a press release yesterday talking about the number of cases that have come forward. And from what I understand, there's been a pretty overwhelming Uh, overwhelming response to the film, right? So I have to go back to that trailer you all released. It was very, I mean, it's intriguing, Greg, it's intriguing. It definitely wants us, leaves us hanging for more. So what is next? Can you give us a hint as to to what you're gonna reveal next? When you say there's more to come?
2: There is, so we have a couple of petabytes worth of video, of data, of all sorts of archives, documents, et cetera. Um, we are working on a plan. In fact, uh, uh, just before this call, I was on with, uh, with our partners in this, and we are working on a plan to release all of that information to the public um, so that the public can crowdsource yeah. the video, the public can do all of this themselves and really join us in this effort. The, the number of people that have communicated with us just in the last week since this movie was released is extraordinary. It's overwhelming. I mean, we're having people just, I mean, spend days and days and days just trying to get all the email answered. Um, and people want to join us. People want to help us. People want to participate. People are angry. They're sad. They're afraid for the country. And, um, you know, having yeah. an opportunity now to work with people like you that are willing to get the word out. And, um, and you know, all, all citizens who just want, a, you know, free, fair and legal elections. That's what this is all about. Mm-hmm.
1: You know, we're seeing this trend, Greg, and it's not just in election integrity uh, where the the institutions are turning a blind eye to grievances and to malpractice and, and corruption. And it's really come down to the citizens and the crowdsourcing method has seemed to be effective in a lot of veins, such as with what Dr. Naomi Wolf is doing with the Pfizer document release. So keep us posted and our, our viewers, I'm sure will be on the lookout and seeing how they can how they can assist as well. Thank you, Greg.
2: Thanks for having me.
0: The C-Report and all the shows on this podcast channel are 100% listener supported. We don't have corporate sponsors. We don't have independent sponsors. Our sponsors are you, the listener. So if you like the work we do and like what we have to say and contribute to the world of news and information, and entertainment please show us your support make a monthly donation to help sustain future episodes at anchor.fm slash the report your support is greatly appreciated from 99 cents per month to 4.99 per month to 9.99 per month every donation counts and every bit helps Show your support for The Sea Report and other shows on this podcast channel by visiting anchor.fm the sea report. And thanks, y'all. Alright, guys. Check your local listings. Check your local listings. Support, uh, support the efforts. Support the movie. Uh, But pretty interesting, guys, right? That's why I keep saying keep your eye on Georgia. It is the first state and the only state currently with an open and active investigation into ballot trafficking. But it seems that all George Raffensperger, George Bradford Raffensperger wants to do is um, hunt down who said it. Who's the snitch here, right? Who's the snitch here? And... uh, Uh, Aurelius Locke says, tell Durham to release everything. We can crowdsource that too. But someone get Durham on this case, ladies and gentlemen. Someone get Durham on this case. That's right, guys. We're not doing Durham today. No Durham. And we'll mention the elections. And uh, no aliens. Sorry. We'll do Durham tomorrow. I promise. Uh, Because after all, tonight, uh, most importantly, aside from sharing this news about uh, 2000." uh, 2,000. I was gonna say 2,000 votes. 2,000 mules. Uh, definitely wanted to hit up the uh, World Health Organization takeover of the world. Uh, because I mean that's pretty timely, guys. Uh, it's pretty time. It's happening next week or starting to happen next week. But um, uh, that said, there is still no more important a uh, topic than voter integrity, election fraud, election um, uh, uh, decertificate, all that. With our elections, is way more important, okay? Way more important than what's going on with the WHO. And y'all might be saying, well, how could that be? Because they're going to take over. Well, I'm telling you guys, we wouldn't be in this situation if we did not suffer a stolen election outright and obnoxiously in the bright of day, even though the ballots were dropped at night... That is, as it were, how it is. So, uh, yes, true the vote. Still doing their good work over there. Um, definitely, guys, uh, I'll be paying attention to Georgia, okay? So, uh, if uh, if in, you know, you happen to not hear about what's going on, I will definitely bring you those details because I've been writing this election topic since we went on the air, um, you know, uh, over a year ago. So that that has been our 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 cause for existence, ladies and gentlemen. Election integrity, election audits. It's it's it, I'm I'm a little stuck on the topic, guys. I'm getting a little bit obsessive, I know. But uh nevertheless, it needs to be shared and it needs to be front of mind and it needs to be ready to roll off the tongue whenever one needs to uh, defend and or speak up and or share the truth about what happened in our elections. Ladies and gentlemen, Relling on good evening. Thank you for gifting the cookie over there at the uh, foxhole. If any of you guys are tuning in at Rumble or at Twitch or at Clout Hub, Uh, Please, by all means, follow and subscribe. Of course, over at Rumble, we have our clips as well as just the show, you know, the live broadcast. We also clip out our shows there so they're easier to digest nuggets of information that um, you can share with your friends, your family, or on your social media streams. Um, But if you want to get on the conversation, then you got to head over to the foxhole.app and pill.net and you need to make that free account where you will be welcomed with open arms by a family of patriots, ladies and gentlemen, a family of patriots, uh, nonetheless. Trolls don't live long in those neighborhoods. Uh, They are all very well guarded with repellent, troll repellent in, uh, in those foxholes. But anyhow, all right, guys, let's get on to the topic du jour for tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, the World Health Organization's takeover of nations sovereignty around the world now um you know i always say this because it's true here at the sea report i do not make news and i do not break news but was among the first to report this story followed suit by all the big names out there right uh, Bannon's war room and everyone else is talking about it now all the way down to your um, your major influencer on the independence right that's no it's no uh, it's no uh, it's no merit badge on my lapel it's no stripe on my shoulder I just heard about the story and had to report it so, What we got going on now, it seems, is that there is a a bit of, uh, in my view, a little bit of confusion in regards to the accuracy of the story that I shared about the World Health Organization and the Biden administration ceding over the sovereignty of our nation to this international agency in the wake of an international world health crisis or emergency, okay? Uh, And and this is coming up um, amongst uh, what it appears to be, uh, like, uh, you know, the awake Americans, the patriots, the conscience-minded individuals. And so, you know, no beef on my end, right, about uh, those who think that this is a nothing burger. And, um, would rather do real reporting and, um, maintain integrity and not just copy off of other people's blogs because it's the alarmist story to share at the moment, you know, and, uh, because of that very reason, well, I thought perhaps I should do my thorough diligence and uh, share more about what I read in those amendments. Now, admittedly, when we covered this story initially like two to three weeks ago, okay, um, we read the entire amended list provided by the Biden administration and handed over to the World Health Organization for vote in the World Health Assembly's convention on May 22nd through the 28th, okay? Now, we were not being alarmist by any measure. I mean, um, if any of you guys have seen any of the other uh, uh, coverage of this story, I'm pretty sure you would agree with me. We weren't being alarmist, right? Um, We we tend to um, reason and respond more than react here over at the C-Report. But nonetheless, um, I found the verbiage of the amendments highly suggestive of the fact that uh, perhaps... If you're looking at the definition of sovereignty in terms of nations and a people, we're not necessarily handing over our sovereignty like uh, all of a sudden the World Health Organization isn't going to be controlling the finances and the politics and the media, although there are, you know, some provisions to that effect. If one reads the 2005 International Health Regulations document, which I did, Um, And we'll be going over that today, ladies and gentlemen, um, in regards to finances, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, But I I have to say, guys, when I was going over the amended list with you all here on the show and we read the entire document, uh, there was a little voice at the back of my mind that kept saying to me, "Um, this is uh, the, the written language here is clearly suggestive of uh, the United States allowing the World Health Organization to basically um, um, control the course of events once a an international health emergency is declared, okay? But the little voice at the back of my head kept telling me, people are going to want to keep knowing how... And what, who, and why? Right, and and where does it say that they can do this? For there is no language in any written international agreement or treaty that says as such. Uh, this country hereby cedes over the sovereignty of its nation and people and and belongings to this international agency. Uh, once this contract is signed, I mean, even a leftist crooked lawyer would not want that type of language embedded in any type of contract because then guess what? The jig is up. And you know, that's why those in the field of litigation and lawfare are quite happy and fanciful with their words because they can, uh, they can, uh, they can force them to mean what they will, ladies and gentlemen. Um, so so you know, there's that fact of the matter, of course, right? And and obviously um, the World Health Organization's amendments to the IHR and the IHR itself, the International Health Regulations, do not verbatim lay down a plan wherein you know UN troops and trucks and World Health Organization people will be deployed, and it doesn't give you uh, it doesn't give you a battle plan of action wherein they will enter into the nation that is affected by this sickness, and it doesn't give you the entire schematics of about how they're going to help or how they're going to advertise or share the information. Um, Obviously, you're not gonna see that blatant of an action plan within these types of documents. I think that's rather obvious, okay? I think it's rather obvious, but uh, the reason why I feel it's important, and maybe it's just on my part, I feel it's important that um, this story and uh, what I've read in the documents should be shared is because after all, guys, you know, um, I've never called myself a journalist, let alone an investigative journalist, but there's something to be said about my understanding and my integrity. So maybe this is just more of a personal thing for myself than it is uh, anything else. But maybe it's because, maybe it's also because... Um there's a, a, a heightened danger here if we truly don't understand what it is that we're looking at. Now it can be said no treaty or agreement or blah 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 blah, you know, can ever supersede the Constitution. Okay, and now obviously that is true in a perfect world of uh of paper and pen and in action, but Could you really say that to an illegitimate regime, right? Uh, who has done nothing but destroy this nation. I would say the fact that no treaty or international agreement will supersede the Constitution uh, is highly romanticizing the Constitution. And, you know, to that end, why even bother seeking to protect the document? Because apparently no other force or entity in this world can do anything to try and take it down when we've seen a history of international uh, treaties and agreements and and uh, signed contracts have constantly tried to undermine the constitution of these United States of America. We narrowly escaped the Paris Accords, which was unconstitutional by and large, with the grace of someone like President Donald Trump. Now, what if we think about an international agreement like NAFTA? That's perfectly unconstitutional, but it seems like we're still part of that organization, right? And we're still beholden to what they had us doing, at least so as long as it wasn't exposed, right? Now, think about the the countries in Europe. I'm pretty sure any any proud national of any one of those given countries in Europe were like our country's constitution will never be superseded by some international treaty or agreement. Now, you know, I mean, we as Americans who are awake and aware and who are patriotic and who will fight for the sovereignty of this nation will not let it happen. But that is also kind of depending on a bunch of other factors from your politicians to your judiciary, right? All the way down to the percentage of people who are willing to take that fight to the battlefield. And so we see the European Union seems to have superseded every single nation's constitution in Europe. And so I think it's rather far-fetched to believe that our constitution of these United States of America is not in danger of such actions partaking here. In this hemisphere, I think it's... Ra- well, I don't even want to go so far as to say as that uh, as it's ignorant. But obviously, obviously, globalist and world entities, if they're not going to do it by a direct invasion, they're going to find a way to do it, ladies and gentlemen. And thank you, Aurelius Locke. Aurelius brings up a very good point. The Constitution is a contract between the state and we, the people therein. So if someone tries to pull out, uh, no, no law that is obviously against the Constitution shall, uh, you know, stand. Well, that has to deal with the states and the federal legislators. Has nothing to do with uh, international agreements or treaties. Okay. With that said, and I think I've made my point. Okay, I don't think it is wise to ignore. um, uh, po- such possibilities, especially when it's spelled out in the language of the text. Now, I, I cannot apologize for someone who does not understand the language, or perhaps is too prudent to infer or speculate what their reading of that might say. Because, after all, I would I would assume that someone would um, look at this document and and. I would say singular because we're going to look at three documents, guys, not just one, three. Because, again, that little voice kept telling me this says this, but it doesn't prove that. And, uh, well, you know, I hadn't busted out my old international health regulations manual by then. Uh, but you know, it became apparent that maybe I should, because I don't like my integrity being questioned and, um, you know, and I get it, you know, I get it. I, I, I totally get it. The language is not specific, right. And, uh, at least to the fact of the battle plan and how they're going to do it and whether or not one's nation sovereignty is actually going to be taken over by the world health organization. I mean, again, who would put that in a contract and expect anybody to sign it, Right. Uh, but you know, when when uh, when one refuses to share a story and then, uh, and, and, and you know, I get it. When you get people sending you links from Stu Peters or, God forbid, Russell Brand, you're kind of going to like, yeah, you need a little bit more evidence than that, right? You, you can't just sh- show me. And I'm not just going to copy what Jordan Sather or Red Pill 78 said, because at the end of the day, I'm nothing, guys. This is just my own personal thing, because uh, Mr. C and the C-Report... Small potatoes guys, no one really uh no one really yeah, it's not like uh anyone was literally calling me out. But for the uh for the sake of my own personal integrity, well, you know, we're gonna do this, okay? So let's take a look at some of the uh documents, guys. We're gonna start with the amendments, okay? We're going to start with the amendments uh, that we've already read through. We're not going to go through all of them again, uh, but we are going to look at um, uh, we are going to look at uh, those which sh- stand to strip us of our sovereignty. Even though it doesn't say you're going to be stripped of your sovereignty, um, reading between the lines, or I don't know, some kind of um, um, logical or. <laughs> deductive um, um, consideration of said words might be helpful. So uh, let's take a look. We're going to skip all the way down to article number nine. And this is just the start of it in this document. Now, um, prior to, and it's very minimal, guys, it's very minimal, that which basically technically on, on paper seeds away our sovereignty. Um, Prior to that, like four words that are stricken from the record, um, what we have here is in this document preparation by the World Health Organization to um, strip A nation of their privacy rights okay their privacy rights so anything that occurs within a nation that may have a health emergency no longer can keep that in-house but rather that information is spread throughout all of the member nations or state part nation parties that are in agreement with this international health regulation of 2005 So a lot of a lot of the previous articles leading up to 12 are all about that. As an example, it says right here, who uh, who I was like, who may take the WHO may take into account reports from sources other than notifications or consultations. And shall assess these reports according to established epidemiological principles and then communicate information on the event to the state party in whose territory the event is allegedly occurring the who shall make the information received available to the state parties and only where it is duly justified may the who maintain the confidentiality of the source This information will be used in accordance with the procedures set forth in Article 11. Okay, this is just a small example, okay, when they're talking about reporting, notification, and that's about the state meeting up with it. But anyhow, uh, moving right along, um, let's see here. Here's another one. Um, If a state party does not accept the offer of collaboration within 48 hours, The World Health Organization shall, when justified by the magnitude of the public health risk, immediately share with other state parties the information available to it, whilst encouraging the state party to accept the offer of collaboration by the WHO. So, you know, when I'm going through all of these documents, ladies and gentlemen, what I'm really thinking about is everything that the world experienced the last year and a half to two years with COVID-19 planned pandemic. Now, when we get into the actual uh, international health regulations of 2005, I think you might agree with me that we are seeing every measure that they took during this COVID-19 planned pandemic into action, okay? That document became live during COVID-19, okay? Is what I was thinking when I was reading it, okay? You're talking about forced quarantines. You're talking about mask mandates. You're talking about forced vaccinations. Look at China and what they're going through right now. Look at what Australia experienced and then tell me that um, this could not be rolled out worldwide into at least 190 some odd countries when this type of language exists in this documentation. Okay. And I'm just saying, guys, I'm just saying anyways. So my thoughts moving forward. Okay. So uh, we'll skip through article 11. No, no, we won't. We won't. Here's another one. Oh, and by the way, guys, not only are we going to look at some of the provisions that the WHO can take, we're also going to look at the recourse or lack thereof that a member nation faces if they disagree with the World Health Organization, because that is outlined in their 2005 document. Well, Well, what does a nation do if they don't come to a consensus with the World Health Organization? What do they do if they don't agree with what they're assessing is a public health emergency Emergency. Well, we'll find out, and we'll answer that question, and we'll see how that makes you feel, okay? Here's another one. When information received by the World Health Organization under paragraph 2 of this article is made available to states, parties in accordance with these regulations, who shall make it available to the public if other information about the same event has already become publicly available, and there is a need for the dissemination of authoritative and independent information. So there are no longer maybes, mightbes, couldbes. There are directives. And that was one of the main highlights of this documentation. It was It was no longer about possible consultations. It was no longer about they might. It was no longer about maybe. It became directive, okay? It became directive. All right. So uh, here is the infamous article amendment that is so squabbled over. Just because this article doesn't say... The United States will give over its sovereignty to the World Health Organization. I guess that's not what it means, right? It must not be what it means. I don't know. It says, uh, determination of a public health emergency of international concern. Now, you guys might note um, the original document, that was the title of the article. Determination of a public health emergency of international concern. The Biden administration also added it to mean... Public health emergency of regional concern, meaning, you know, it might only affect the southwestern uh, United States of America. It might only affect the United States in general. It's a regional concern. But with that amendment, it still offers the ability for the World Health Organization to enter into um, um, an opinion on the matter. And it also says, or intermediate health health alert. That's very broad. A health alert to a regional concern to an international emergency are steps, by and large, pretty far apart, if you ask me. Okay. Now it says, the director general shall determine on the basis of information received, in particular from the state party within those ter- whose territories an event is occurring, whether an event constitutes a public health emergency of international concern in accordance with the criteria and the procedure set out in these regulations. So again... All of the power is being given to the director general of the World Health Organization. And I think you guys may also follow along that as we go through these documents, it, it, it clearly states the director general is the one whom shall be uh, c- commanding these charges um, from, uh, from assessment all the way through termination, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, section 2 is uh, is where you're going to get um, uh, the release of sovereignty, okay? If the Director General considers, based on an assessment under these regulations, that a potential or actual public health emergency of international concern is occurring, the Director General shall notify all states' parties and seek to consult with the State Party in whose territory the events arises regarding this preliminary determination. And, this is new, it may, in accordance with the procedure set forth in Article 49, seek the views of the committee established under Article 48 herein after the Emergency Committee. If the Director General determines that the event constitutes a public health emergency of international concern, the director general shall, in accordance with the procedure set forth in Article 49, seek the views of the emergency committee on appropriate temporary recommendations. So the question here is, what's the big deal, Mr. C? Uh, let, me, let me expand this. Let's, let's, let's pull down the highlighter here. Let's, let's make it like blue. Okay. So, what was stricken from the record is and the state, hey, still not thunder here. There we go. And the state party are in agreement regarding this determination. Okay. Now, on face value, because it doesn't say you're giving up your sovereignty, right? One would 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 baby ask how do you know that that means that they're surrendering surrendering their sovereignty? Maybe it's more of a battle of I don't know definitions and semantics in in regards to this opinion, right? Um, but ask yourself, guys, if there is a health emergency in your country, right, and you as an independent and advanced uh, you know, world power can determine what that emergency is. And in accordance with the IHR, the International Health Regulations of 2005, you give that information over to the director general, right? So they are now aware of your international health emergency and you as a technologically advanced world power and let's pretend in the perfect world a morally astute government determine that for example COVID-19 is no more than uh, the flu on steroids from, um, I don't know, some type of uh, virus that, that has not even been singled out and isolated, okay, which goes to prove that it does not exist. And you as a country say the United States of America in the perfect world as a morally astute country determines that COVID-19 is not what they say it is and it is not the danger that it represents to the world, but the director general determines that you are wrong. If you have stricken this portion of the agreement from the record, have you not given over your ability to self-determine your sovereignty i.e. you've surrendered your sovereignty. Does this mean that the World Health Organization is gonna come in and they're gonna become your president and they're gonna put lawyers and attorneys and politicians in every state house and they're gonna take over your finances, they're gonna take over your your uh, your shipping, they're gonna take over your chain of custody, they're gonna take over your travel, they're gonna take over your cargo. Well, ladies and gentlemen, the fact of the matter is if you actually read the International Health Regulations of 2005, they do all of that short of taking over your um, judiciary and your legislative branch and your executive branch but they do everything else they take over your travel they take over your shipping they take over your ports they do all of that and you know what you don't got to take my word for it because we're gonna look at the documentation okay because there are several documents in this entire agreement that forms a whole body of possibilities that could come if it is voted into existence, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, pardon my ire and my passion, but I just, why apologize, right? Anyway, so let's carry on. Um, Let's see, what did I highlight here? Emergency of international concern, a determination shall be made. Okay, we don't need to see that. Okay, so um, in determining whether an event constitutes a public health emergency of international concern, the director general shall, et cetera. I don't know why I highlighted that. So here's another one um, where an event has not been determined to meet the criteria for a public health emergency of international concern, but the director general has determined it requires heightened international awareness And a potential public health response, the director general on the basis of information received may determine at any time to issue an intermediate public health alert to state's parties and may consult the emergency committee in a manner consistent with the procedure set out in Article 49. Again, lawyers speak for you no longer have self-determination. We're going to talk to the committee. And we're going to figure out what we should do, okay? And this is all new text to the amendment of um, uh, the IHR, uh, what we just read right there. Uh, Here's Article 13, Public Health Response Amended. It says, uh, you see, they they strike out at the request of a state party, okay? No self-determination. Okay, that means in the event of a medical emergency, you have no sovereignty. And again, I reflect on the last year and a half to two years where society shut down. Okay, and let me tell you what, if this happens again, well, that's going to absolve the president. That's going to absolve politicians of any responsibility. Because, oh, d- d- do we need to remember, you know, we got all of the Democrats and all the lefties and all the progressives and all the socialists, but we also have all these rhinos who have given away our rights, right? We have never should have had the need to litigate in order to fight for the rights we already have under our constitution, which cannot be what? Superseded? Okay, did you not just live through the entire year and a half to two years that I lived through? People who don't think that this is a possibility because the language doesn't say something so specific so as to do a, a, a well-thought-out journalistic approach to it in your magazine or your, your newspaper or your blog or your website— because I lived through an entire different America than you did if that's the case. And if I'm not mistaken, they impeded on all of our constitutional rights in the last year and a half, and we had to hire lawyers and fight in the court of law in order to obtain the rights we already had under that constitution, okay? So if this thing passes and it's as bad as my my tone is right now, then yeah, you're right. It's not going to supersede the Constitution, but guess what? Underneath your house of rhinos and the leftist progressives, we're going to have to fight it in the court of law, and there's no telling how long that's going to take. And by then, how many people do you think that they will have forced a vaccine on? How many people do you think will have forced inoculations it's ignorant for someone to say, and maybe they just can't see it, but maybe if it wasn't someone who has some kind of influence, I wouldn't feel this way. No one that I actually have ever heard of, although I will say the, uh, the uh, website they report for, I do admire, and we have actually shared their stories here many times at the Sea Report. They did an upstanding job covering the New Hampshire Wyndham Township election audit that was run afoul. They did excellent work. That's where most of our, they were a primary source for me here at the Sea Report. The Wyndham, New Hampshire um, election audit. Yeah, it's a great magazine, but I don't know this writer. I don't know, I don't know her personally. So I don't, I mean, I've I've only ever heard her name once in my life before, but it's dangerous. You know, I, I, respect that person's point of view, obviously. Um, but you know, how can one decry, maybe it was the delivery. It sound it sound more prideful. And you know what? I know what I read. That person has no idea who I am from Jack. And, uh, I, you know, the last thing I need is my audience, who happen to know this individual, doubting my integrity, okay? Anyways, and I'm not being alarmist here, guys. I am sharing information, all right? Goes on to say, goes on to say, um, who shall offer assistance? To a state party in the response to public health risks and other events by providing technical guidance and assistance and by assessing the effectiveness of the control measures in place, including the mobilization of international teams of experts for on-site assistance when necessary. Now, again, they struck out at the request of the state party, okay? Now, here's one that uh, detractors would probably use against me. The state party shall accept or reject such an offer of assistance within 48 hours, right? And in the case of rejection of such an offer shall provide to the World Health Organization its rationale for the rejection, which the World Health Organization shall share with other state parties. So again, no rights to privacy. They're going to put you on the world, uh, the world stage, and they're going to tell them everything that's going on. America does not want to go along with COVID-19. They know better, right? But you know, that statement could be used against my logic, Unless you read the International Health Regulations of 2005, where they tell you specifically what happens to you if you happen to disagree with the World Health Organization. And you know what, guys? Once you've signed that contract, it doesn't seem to matter whether or not you agreed or disagree with them. You are stuck in an international agreement that has legal binding, Unless the people of your nation rise up against the World Health Organization. I know you trigger happy patriots out there are just waiting for them blue and white helmets to enter onto our shores, which I will say, hold your horses. It hasn't happened yet. But, well, there is long and short of it. So anywhere you read in this amendment about a state party rejecting you need to refer to the original document where you find out, and we'll get there in just a minute. Let's finish up here. If the World Health Organization in consultation with the state's parties concerned, as provided in Article 12, determines that a public health emergency of international concern is occurring, it shall, in addition, uh, offer, in addition to the support indicated in paragraph 3 of this article, further assistance to the State Party, including an assessment of the severity of the international risk and the adequacy of control measures. Such collaboration may include uh, uh, the offer to mobilize international assistance in order to support the national authorities in conducting and coordinating on-site assessments. When requested by the State Party, the WHO shall provide information supporting such an offer. The state party shall accept or reject such an offer of assistance within 48 hours, okay? Again, I will refer you to the IHR of 2005, and that section is not amended, ladies and gentlemen. It's 84 pages. I read the whole damn thing, okay? So, I mean, I'm t- someone else should have. Anyways. Um, The state party, yeah, shall accept or reject, whatever. Okay, so, all right, so here we go. Uh, Temporary recommendations may include the deployment of expert teams as well as health measures to be implemented by the state party experiencing the public health emergency of international concern or by other states' parties regarding persons, baggage, cargo, containers, conveyances, goods, and or postal parcels, to prevent or reduce the international spread of disease and avoid unnecessary interference with international traffic. Therein you get the clue, you get the idea that they are going to control everything around your nation if you do not agree with them. Now, let's say the United States disagreed with them, right? And they're like, no, you can't do this because we have determined COVID-19 to be X, Y, or Z, right? Uh, Well, you know, the WHO would say, well, you signed this legally binding contract in an in a morally astute nation. The United States of America never would have signed this contract, especially with the language that is in it. OK, and uh, and so there would be no need for morally astute politicians and executives and judiciaries to deal with this matter at all. OK, but that's not where we are. OK, and we have an illegitimate regime who has successfully run this country into the ground much quicker than any of his predecessors in the last four or five decades have accomplished, ladies and gentlemen. And we want to be naive enough to think that this isn't a possibility. You know, I mean, I mean, of course, what could we really do, right? What could we really do? Once it's signed next week, we have six months to uh, abide by it before it's enforced or to disagree to it before it is forced upon us. That's why elections are number one, ladies and gentlemen. Elections are number one, okay? And this decertification, this evidence of fraud, the information that we share on broadcasts such as this are so important. I don't just say share the links to get me more views and and, and heighten this show. I say it because how many other shows are clipping out information about election fraud detailed information that other people can use as ammunition and rely upon to share with those who are not giving you right information or who are lying or who are blind or who do not want to hear about it. That's why I, I say share the clips, spread the word. I don't need this mug splattered across America, ladies and gentlemen. What I need is election information spread across America. That's what I need. Anyways... Very important. Okay, so I think we're done with this document for now. Okay, yeah, I think we're good. We're good. All right, guys, let's move on to the big enchilada. Let's move on to the International Health Regulations, third edition of two thousand five. All right, and here it is where you're gonna find the meat and potatoes. Okay, uh, all everything sprawled out, defined and written. To understand, unless you just don't want to, uh, what it is that they are talking about here, right? International Health Regulations 2005. Uh, Let's start with the forward. I think the forward, and I probably could have stopped at the forward, guys, when I reviewed it. I think the forward is actually pretty telling, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, So here's from the forward a central and historic responsibility for the World Health Organization has been the management of the global regime for the control of the international spread of diseases. Under Articles 21A and 22, the Constitution of the World Health Organization confers upon the World Health Assembly the authority to adopt regulations designed to prevent all international spread of disease, which after adoption by the Health Assembly, enter into force all for all WHO member states that do not affirmatively opt out of them within a specified time. Sounds pretty um, precise to me. It says here, the international health regulations contain a range of innovations, including state party obligations. Okay, that means, uh, for lack of a better word, a legally binding contract. Oh, but how, who's going to arbitrate this, right? What court could they possibly bring states before in order to hold them to task? I wonder, right? Uh The IHR also contains a range of innovations that include procedures for the determination by the Director General of a public health emergency of international concern and issuance of corresponding temporary recommendations after taking into account the views of an emergency committee. Uh, Again, the amendments to the um, uh, IHR only strengthen... This provision right here, guys, it strengthens it again. The determination of the director general, and also taking into account the views of emergency committee, not the nation member itself. All right. So that that provision is actually strengthened by the amendments that the Biden administration created for consideration. Okay. All right. Let's move along. Let's get to some more juice, some more meat, some more sustenance, some more gravy, some more sauce. Uh, It's a a, a lengthy document, guys. It's a lengthy document. Took me a a minute to actually go through all of this. Um, And I've read documents that are framed in the same type of language or writing. A, A lot of it's found in corporate America, you know, Very, very broad and very, uh, what's the word? Euphemistic sounding language, right? Uh, But ultimately, it means something else. Um, Article 18, recommendations with respect to persons, baggage, cargo containers, conveyances, goods, and postal parcels. Okay. So keeping in mind the events of COVID-19 planned pandemic and everything that the world suffered, right, right? And keeping in mind that that was done because uh, independent nations uh, decided to agree with the CDC, right? But the World Health Organization was kind of always hanging out there in the back, making their recommendations, right? Now, imagine that they have the ability, because they have determined, in order to dish out all of these regulations, okay? Now, this is in the body, as we know, of the International Health Regulations of 2005, which are not amended, what we're reading here. Okay, and ask yourself, is this what they did during COVID-19 during this worldwide pandemic health emergency? Because it's kind of what I got in reading it. Now, recommendations issued by the World Health Organization to states parties with respect to persons may include the following. No specific health measures are advised review travel history in affected areas review proof of medical examination and any laboratory analysis require medical examinations review proof of vaccination or other prophylaxis review require vaccination or other prophylaxis place suspect persons under public health observation implement quarantine or other health measures or suspect persons of suspect persons implement isolation and treatment where necessary of affected persons implement tracing of contacts of suspect or affected persons refuse entry of suspect or affected persons refuse entry of unaffected persons to affected areas and implement exit screening and or restrictions on persons from affected areas. Now, this clearly states that these are provisions within the um, um, within procedure for the World Health Organization in events of occurrences of world health emergencies. Now, this is exactly what we saw happening during COVID-19 to everybody and their grandmother, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. Um. So if uh, if. A nation is no longer self-determinant, but the World Health Organization Director General is determinant, okay? I would say that that, effectively, in the event of a world health emergency, qualifies as surrendering one's sovereignty. But wait, there's more. Of course, there's always more right? There is always more. Now, the rest of these articles go on to talk about, like, of course, baggage, cargo containers, conveyances, goods, and postal, how they can control that, right? And so, say, for example, you are a nation that does not agree with the determination of this world health emergency, but everybody else is, because everyone out there believes COVID-19 is a real pandemic, even though everyone now knows the fact of the reality, but the United States said no. But they can control travel, trade, conveyance, shipping, all right? The United States would be isolated if they didn't go along to get along. And of course, the provisions and the amendments already strip a nation of their rights to privacy. So uh, everyone knows about it. Everyone knows your decision and everyone is gonna say, What? You're endangering the people of the world. Think about your neighbors. Think about your family. Think about the public. You're endangering them, the United States of America, because you don't want to wear a mask, because you don't want to get a vaccine. Think about other people, United States of America. Think about the other nations on this planet, United States of America. You guys get what I'm saying, right? My audience is pretty savvy. I mean, I'm pretty sure I don't even have to go into this Length of uh, explanation, but, anyways, okay, so and then uh, this uh, part five four talks about points of entry, so they'll control your points of entry, your ports. You also have to make a standard plan for things when they go down, etc. Goes on and on and talks about that. Let's continue. Um, okay, so general provisions, article 23 health measures on arrival and departure. Let's see what this has to say. Subject to applicable international agreements and relevant uh, articles of these regulations, a state party may require for public health purposes on arrival or departure with regard to travelers, information concerning the traveler's destination so that the traveler may be contacted, information concerning the traveler's itinerary to ascertain if there was any travel in or near an affected area or Other possible contacts with infection or contamination prior to arrival, as well as review of the traveler's health documents if they are required under these regulations and or a non-invasive medical examination, right, which is the least intrusive examination that would achieve the public health objective. Inspection of baggage, cargo, containers, conveyances, goods, postals, parcels, and human rights. I mean, sorry, human remains. My bad, not human rights. Might as well be giving up our human rights. Uh, So again, these are all things that we've already experienced under the COVID-19 plan pandemic, guys, as a highlight. Now, part three here says... No medical examination, vaccination, prophylaxis or health measure under these regulations shall be carried out on travelers without their prior express informed consent or that of their parents or guardians, except as provided in paragraph two of article 31. And we'll look at that in a minute. And in accordance with the law and international obligations of the state party. Travelers... Travelers. Oh, and I put here as a note: the World Health Organization failed their own um, their own uh, rules in section four and five of this article during the COVID nineteen plan pandemic. Check this out. In a section, uh, part four and five, it says travelers to be vaccinated or offered prophylaxis pursuant to these regulations, or their parents or guardians shall be informed of any risk associated with vaccination or with non-vaccination and with the use or non-use of prophylaxis in accordance with the law and international obligations of the state party. State parties shall inform medical practitioners of these requirements in accordance with uh, with the law of the state party. They failed the people of this planet on this, you know, basically they broke their own law. Because they were not able to inform anyone about the risks associated with the COVID-19 MRNA inoculations, right? Part 5 says, Any medical examination, medical procedure, vaccination, or other prophylaxis which involves a risk of disease transmission shall only be performed on or administered to a traveler in accordance with established national or international safety guidelines and standards So as to minimize such a risk, again, a failure on their part, right? But they're allowed to fail. They're allowed to fail. But a a massive failure, their own articles, they failed, right? Anyhow, so just thought that was an interesting uh, tidbit to share with you guys. Um, So maybe that's some ammunition we can use against the World Health Organization whenever we get to Nuremberg 2.0, right? Oh, yeah. Even this international agency did not follow its own regulations and guidelines. And it's true. Uh, Special provisions for travelers. Okay, so here's some more impedance on our rights, right, which could basically go hand in hand with one's own sovereignty. Health measures relating to entry for travelers. Uh, Invasion, uh, invasive medical examination, vaccination, or other prophylaxis shall not be required as a condition of entry of any traveler to the territory of a state party except that subject to articles 32 42 and 45 these regulations do not preclude state parties from requiring medical examination vaccination or other prophylaxis or proof of vaccination or other prophylaxis when necessary to determine whether a public health risk exists when as a condition of entry for any traveller seeking temporary or permanent residence um, as a condition of entry for any traveler pursuant to article 43 or annexes 6 and 7 or which may be carried out pursuant to Article 23. So they can definitely uh, still offer you that mandatory vaccine or medical exam. Now, here's the one that totally exempts them. I mean, totally uh, dis-exempts them. Uh, Totally makes it mandatory. If a traveler for whom a state party may require a medical examination, vaccination, or other prophylaxis, fails to consent to any such measure or refuses to provide the information or the documents the state party concerned may deny entry to that traveler. If there is evidence of an imminent public health risk, the state party may, in accordance with its national law and to the extent necessary to control such risk, compel the traveler to undergo or advise the traveler um, uh, the least invasive and intrusive medical examination that would achieve the public health objective. Um, a vaccination or other prophylaxis or establish additional health measures that prevent or control the spread of diseases, including isolation, quarantine, or placing the traveler under public health observation. Now, perhaps the Biden administration would have done well to, I don't know, maybe strike out such lines as um, in accordance with its national law, and or to the extent because after all um article 12 as amended takes away a nation's self-determination so could it really be said that in accordance with national law that a traveler could enter back into its nation if the director general has determined that it is an invasive and intrusive medical health emergency and that individual chooses to not consent to those measures Uh, because um, the, the director general is the determiner here he's the decider here right or she is the decider whomever it should happen to be at the time of the next worldwide planned pandemic ladies and gentlemen okay so, um, well, you know that that's that's that part. let's let's carry on guys. Time is short, and I haven't had dinner yet. I'm getting hungry. Um, let's see here. Uh, so this is about containers, goods, uh, and loading areas, health documents as a general, rule, article 35. No health documents other than those provided for under these regulations or in recommendations issued by the World Health Organization shall be required in international traffic, provided, however, that this article shall not apply to travelers seeking temporary or permanent residence, nor shall it apply to documents required concerning the public health status of goods or cargo in international trade pursuant to applicable international agreements. Okay, what, what international agreements are you talking about? You're talking about like NAFTA? You know about those types of things. Uh, certificates of vaccination or other prophylactic, prophylaxis. Okay. Uh, so this this section here is talking about um, required um, certificates um, if they are administered to travelers and uh, travelers in possession of those certificates when they're to show them, etc. Maritime declaration of health, health part, aircrafts more about shipping and sanitation, etc, etc, etc. Let's get to some of the, the good heavier stuff here. Um, general provisions, etc, etc. The articles in the 40s basically talk about the organization, uh, the IHR and um, the World Health Assembly in general. Um, here we go. The emergency committee okay this is the, this is the committee that the general director refers to. It says, the director general shall establish an emergency committee that at the request of the director general shall provide its view on whether an event constitutes a public health emergency or of international concern. uh, The termination of a public health emergency of international concern and the proposed issuance, modification, extension, or termination of temporary recommendation. Okay, so what that tells you, the dear reader is that, well, I guess the director general does not make up the decisions on his own or her own. They, uh, they consult the emergency committee. Okay. Uh, uh, keeping in mind that this does not include the nation member itself. Although, um, the IHR, uh, center points, uh, that's not the direct name for it. Uh, they, they may be made up of individuals whom are part of the nation involved, right? So you have your emergency committee here. I believe the emergency committee is made up of um, members of nations surrounding and maybe one member of the actual nation. Uh, that's in section 45, article 45 and 44 of this document. You can review that if you want. We're not going to review that at this time. It's minutia, Okay. Uh, especially especially if that member is like someone like uh, Dr. Fauci or like, uh, or, or uh, who's that one from the CDC? Wazenski or Waworski or Wachowski or Wadolski? I don't remember its name. Anyways, uh, it goes on to say, The views of the emergency committee shall be forwarded to the director general for consideration. The director general shall make the final determination on these matters. The Director General shall communicate to States parties the determination and the termination of a public health emergency of international concern, any health measure taken by the state party concerned, any temporary recommendation, and the modification, extension, and termination of such recommendations together with the views of the Emergency Committee. And if you remember from the amendments, uh, temporary recommendation also includes deployment of international bodies and agencies into the nation state who no longer has self-determination according to that document, according to what I read, right? I mean, I'm sure that some people still just can't see it, right? They just can't see it happening, not in their America, not what, what they have experienced over the last four to five years, let alone everything else we've experienced cumulatively. at least in my lifetime, could something like this happen, right? Uh, the review committee's report shall be submitted to the director general, who shall communicate its views and advice to the health assembly or the executive board for their consideration and action. Okay, so again, more with these committees, more with these bureaucracies, etc. Uh, let's see here. Okay, so here's where we get into the disputes. Say the United States does not agree with the assessment or determination of the World Health Organization. What happens to that nation state? Say they agree with it, but they don't agree with all of the measures that they want to take in order to confine or terminate the uh, health emergency. Settlements of disputes. In the event of a dispute between two or more states parties concerning the interpretation Or application of these regulations, the state parties concerned shall seek in the first instance to settle the dispute through negotiation or any other peaceful means of their own choice, including good offices, mediation, or conciliation. Failure to reach such agreements shall not absolve the parties to the dispute from the responsibility of continuing to seek resolve it in the event that the dispute is not settled by means described under paragraph one of this article the state's parties concerned may agree to refer, refer the dispute to the director general who shall make every effort to settle it a state party may at any time declare in writing to the director general that it accepts arbitration as compulsory With regard to all disputes concerning the interpretation or application of these regulations to which it is a party or with regard to a specific dispute in relation to any other state party accepting the same obligation, the arbitration shall be conducted in accordance with the permanent court of arbitration optional rules for arbitrating disputes between two states applicable at the time a request for arbitration is made. The state's parties that have agreed to accept arbitration as compulsory shall accept the arbitral award as binding and final. So the United States doesn't agree with the determination of the World Health Organization Director General. And the World Health Organization Director General has already alerted all its member states, particularly those surrounding the United States, about its decision. So now Canada or Mexico can challenge that um, decision and um, the United States will be entered into arbitration with either of its neighbors and ultimately it is the permanent court of arbitration optional rules for arbitrating disputes between these two states that shall reach a final and binding decision. The Director General shall inform the Health Assembly regarding such actions as appropriate. So once we sign this document, which actually occurred in 1969, this edition is from 2005, but we actually entered into the IHR in 1969, ladies and gentlemen, as I found out through the reading of this document, we're... Part and party to all of this international agreement as legally binding. Now, I don't know that uh, there's a nation out there that would challenge it and we'll see what happens. Maybe that, ladies and gentlemen, is uncharted territory. Or maybe we should just wait for President Trump to be back in office and watch him rip up this document and see what happens, right? Article 57 Um, relationship with other international agreements, okay? Because again, um, while I idealistically believe that there is no, no, not even ideal, I believe in my heart of hearts that there is no article, there is no document above the United States Constitution. I am not an illegitimate regime and I am not some international agency trying to force myself upon a sovereign nation, okay? But this article here specifically Um, addresses international agreements. So let's check this out. State parties recognize that the IHR, the International Health Regulations, and other relevant international agreements should be interpreted so as to be compatible. In other words, um, we're we're all in agreement here and you should interpret this document that way, right? The provisions of the International Health Regulation shall not affect the rights and obligations of any state party deriving from other international agreements. Oh, that's nice. In other words, the IHR is not going to impede other international agreements. If you have an international agreement with, uh, I don't know, the United Nations or some other international agency, fine. But that doesn't say anything about a nation's own sovereign document. That's right. What about the Constitution? Okay, They they didn't give a provision for the Constitution of the United States of America in this and And its relationship to this uh international health regulation document and I think that's uh that's about all I have to share from this guys Oh, maybe not. let's see what this says. <laughs> I'm like it's dinner time guys um it says here oh, oh okay so so here here goes further into the agreement disagreement um and what happens to the nation state okay here's where we're gonna wrap it up guys about uh about exactly how sovereign this country will be after they uh, sign the amendments into effect and uh, a medical health emergency happens on an international scale. We're we're there, guys. We're at the end. It says, uh, if at least one third of the states referred to in paragraph four of this article object to the reservation by the end of six months from the date of the notification referred to in paragraph four of this article, The director general shall notify the reserving state with a view to its considering withdrawing the reservation within three months from the date of the notification by the director general in other words this is talking about when you agree with what was determined but you don't agree with all the measures okay the reserving state shall continue to fulfill any obligation corresponding to the subject matter of the reservation which the state has accepted under any of the international sanitary agreements or regulations listed in Article 58. So you know what? United States America agrees with COVID-19 plan pandemic, but they do not agree with forced vaccinations, okay? This is saying that uh, you have to put it in writing, you got six months, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, Uh, but you have to continue doing what they tell you to do until the director general has made a determination about your reservation of mandatory vaccines. As an example, right? Oh, oops. where'd did, where did the article go? Okay. Uh, the director general shall submit the reservation and the views of the review committee, if applicable to the health assembly for its consideration. If the health assembly by a majority vote objects to the reservation on the grounds that it is not compatible with the object and purpose of these regulations, the reservation shall not be accepted And these regulations shall enter into force for the reserving state only after it it withdraws its reservation pursuant to Article 63. Meaning, we are at the mercy of the Health Assembly in regards to whether or not anything we object to stands. If uh, majority rules that uh, forced vaccinations is uh, what's going to uh, help terminate this World Health Emergency, well then, ladies and gentlemen... Um, forced vaccinations it's going to be. And, you know, with the state of rhinoness and lefty communist progressives in this country, they're going to go along with it and they're going to be like, well, we couldn't do anything about it. It's the World Health Organization because do you think at this point they're going to fight for us? Do you really think they're going to fight for our sovereignty, for our self-determination at this point? We might have one or two and the entire nation itself might rise up. But maybe this is speculation and maybe it's conjecture. Maybe it's a little bit conflation, but maybe at that point, we're going to see those white and blue hats enter into our nation. And at that point, ladies and gentlemen, it's gloves off. And uh, well, that's all I got to say about that, guys. Thank you for tuning in to tonight's edition of The Sea Report. I hope it was as good for you as that steak I'm about to have is going to be for me, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, uh, Tune in once again uh, tomorrow as we'll bring you more current news, events, and headlines. We'll probably cover Durham tomorrow. And we'll probably cover a whole bunch of other things that, uh, you know, uh, are imperative, at least in my purview, as I am the curator of these events here. All right, guys, I'm gonna let you go. Thank you so much for hanging out tonight. Thank you so much for any donations that came this way. Thank you so much for spreading the word. Again, make sure you visit our Rumble page so you can see all the clips. We'll have this clipped out in case you guys want to share it. Again, it's not my opinion and it's not my assessment. It's what we read in the source documents tonight ladies and gentlemen, and I understand that that is open to interpretation, but that is word for word, at least what I found to be the danger of these amendments that um, the World Health As- Assembly will be voting on next week, ladies and gentlemen, and I'm sorry, guys, we don't got time for the, uh, I'm all, oh, elections are so important, we don't got time for the elections tonight, we'll talk about it tomorrow, real quick, Victoria, thank you so much for gifting the can, Sean Joe for the cookie, and a creative writer for the cookie, Um, ladies and gentlemen, you have a wonderful night. We will see you again tomorrow as always, ladies and gentlemen, as you go into that dark night or just to get a bite to eat, uh, be safe, be blessed and God bless America. We'll see you soon. Take care.